welcome in, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year, everybody. This is the first edition of McCartan After Midnight here in 2021. We made it, everybody. We made it. I'm Danielle McCartan. I'll be talking all things New York sports with you till 6 a.m. on this early Sunday morning or late Saturday night if you're still out and about in the, in the city that never sleeps. There were not many people out tonight, and I did if you saw it on Twitter or saw it on Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan, same thing over there on Twitter, uh, I posted a picture of one World Trade Center with a blue spire, and that sort of kind of set the tone for me tonight because maybe one World Trade Center is wearing New York Giants blue on this day where the Giants can possibly win the NFC East in Week 17 of NFL action. Who would have thunk it? I've got a manual behind the glass tonight taking your calls. You guys know that number, 877-337-6666. We got Pat Boyle on the text message check-in, by the way, too. What's up, Pat? See you next week. And let's load up the phone call, your phone lines with your best content only, please. So coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio, as you know, till 6 a.m. Also, I've got my NFL beatboxing segment for you guys later tonight. The Week 17 installment, you're going to hear Kevin Hagelin who's the midday radio co-host at 105.3 The Fan, our sister station down in Dallas. You're gonna, he's going to duke it out with returning champion, New York Giants TV host and Sports Illustrated reporter Madeline Burke. You heard her here last week. And obviously you guys are going to get to crown your own listener's choice winner on my Twitter, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, all while listening live. So 2020 was a year unlike any other that we've experienced or hopefully will ever experience, God willing. And it's easy to forget this year entirely, but let's, before we label 2020 as a wash and put the year in the rearview mirror, let us reflect upon the fact that through it all, we eventually had sports. While games were a lot different, some in bubbles, some with cardboard cutout fans, some with teddy bears as fans, and some still with a wall of virtual fans. All of them with artificial crowd noise on the broadcasts. All teams across all sports not only had to prepare for their opponent, but they also had to, and still have to, prepare every day for another opponent at the same time, the COVID-19 virus. Just because the calendar has turned to 2021, it does not eradicate the virus. Please, everybody, continue to be vigilant here in January of 2021. So you guys know I am all about action. So my New Year's resolution is the same as it's been over the past couple of years. And for those of you who are here, or new here, as I say, um, it's inspired by a Darius Rucker song. And in it, he asks, when was the last time you did something for the first time? So in 2020... That kind of fell off the rails, but resuming in 2021 is my new doing one new thing per month. And in keeping with that theme of New Year's resolutions, here are my resolutions for our football, baseball, and basketball teams. For the Jets, we'll start with the Jets. With Black Monday just hours away, the New York Jets New Year's resolution should be 
to think introspectively in order to do a whole house deep cleanse. And this should really start right at the very top. The Johnson brothers should not only just reassess and realign their power structure, their hierarchy, and their professional responsibilities. They should project them and announce them into existence into the football universe. Only then can they ensure that they are luring the topmost talent to their organization from the front office on down to the players on the field. I rarely believe that anything that does not come from the original source, especially huge, juicy news that I read, see, or hear otherwise. So what I'm alluding to is, is the elephant in the room here, the Adam Gase potential firing. Now, I know New York Jets fans know it better than anyone. Just think back, not that, well, 20 years, I guess, but January of 2000 to a press conference called to introduce Bill Belichick as the team's next head coach. Instead, they got this quote from Coach Bill. There are a number of obvious, I'm going to probably do it in my Bill Belichick, there are a number of obvious uncertainties that would affect the head coach of the team. I just don't feel at this time that I can lead the Jets with 100% conviction that I need. End quote. So that was a total 180. With that being said, I will wait for the official team announcement, should it come that the Jets are moving on from their current head coach. If, in fact, they do, which you already know my feelings on his tenure here, the Jets' ownership should have already, one, established and announced that the hierarchy should be head coach, general manager, ownership, or even that way backwards. That's it. Very linear. And two, the Jets' ownership should have already figured out Who will have the ultimate decision in choosing a head coach? Maybe it'll come down, and I don't want to believe these reports, but maybe it's going to come down to a vote, and that's fine. Woody Johnson, Christopher Johnson, and Joe Douglas. He absolutely should have a say in who his next head coach should be. Obvious, you would think. Once all that has been established, after the deep introspection and the cleanse The Jets will then be able to attract the best talent out there to the greatest city in the world. And then they're going to be able to put one foot in front of the other to ascend to first playoff contention, then the advanced rounds of the playoffs, and finally, maybe, hosting, hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. But it starts with a clear, and dare I say it, 2020 vision. And hopefully, after this past year, The Jets will have embraced it. So should all old acquaintance Adam Guru be forgot and never thought upon? Yes. New year, new Jets. My New Year's resolution for the New York football giants is to find a consistent identity. Yes, 2020 was a weird year with a first-time brand-new head coach navigating his first season during a global pandemic. Do you really understand the gravity of what I just said? I asked you last week too, and the week before, did you think that the Giants were going to be a playoff team before this season started? I bet not. Yet here they are, entering week 17 of this crazy season with, according to 538's model, which I've been using all along, a 21% chance to win the NFC East. 
I think Giants fans have seen glimpses of how this team embodies the Giants teams of, I'm doing air quotes here, old. For so many years in Eli's twilight, the Giants defense wasn't, just wasn't up to snuff. Today's team seems to be a defensive-minded team for sure. I say seems to be because throughout the past, let's say, two to three weeks, it seems as though that grit has evaporated, disappeared. When today's Giants can get it going, they rely on the ground game. I say when they can get it going because they're missing Saquon Barkley and the explosion that he can bring to this offense and the special attention that he demands from opposing defense's game plans. Not to mention that the mobile quarterback, Daniel Jones, has rushed for, count them, one, two, three total yards over his past two games. Think right now of your favorite Giants player in recent history. I know my dad's favorite Giant of all time is Lawrence Taylor. And you can't have LT without HC, Harry Carson. Both defense. My generation, if your favorite player wasn't or isn't still Eli Manning, I'm going to venture to guess that it might have been Michael Strahan. Again, defense. Kids today, they love Saquon Barkley. Ground game. So put those generational mentalities together. That is New York Giants football. Staunch defenses with an offensive ground-and-pound game plan. These current Giants have shown flashes of that, sometimes together, but more often independent of each other, which is why my New Year's resolution for the New York Giants is to find a more consistent identity. Unlike the Jets, at this very moment, at 2.13 in the morning on Sunday, January 3rd, the Giants have a real-deal head coach in Joe Judge. And yes, a general manager in Dave Gettleman, who he seems to work pretty well with. Together, like they did this offseason, they have the ability to punctuate this season, regardless of the Week 17 outcome, with a reintroduction of what it means to be a New York football giant. My New Year's resolution for the New York Mets. With the richest owner in all of baseball and the second richest owner in all of sports in Steve Cohen, as paradoxical as this sounds is financial or and or fiscal responsibility. Mets fans resist the temptation to go and buy up every single free agent. Steve Cohen will be around for decades to come. And throughout those next couple decades, there will be better options on the market. And don't forget, you're going to have to take care of your own too, if you so choose. Because after this upcoming season, you'd be looking at unrestricted free agents Michael Conforto, Marcus Stroman, Noah Syndergaard, Dellen Betances. The year after that, it's Seth Lugo, Edwin Diaz, and Brendan Nimmo. Some of these guys, you're not keeping them all, I I understand that, but some of these guys, should you choose to keep them, will garner more cash than others. But this must be kept in the back of your minds while you guys all go shopping this offseason. It is unfair to judge these players' futures worth right now. I can't tell you how much so-and-so is going to be worth or this person's going to be worth. Not this moment in time. Remember, though, Mets fans, that a mishmash team of acquired superstars doesn't exactly work in baseball. Maybe in basketball it might work, especially when you think of the dream team. Ewing, Pippen, Jordan, right? Et cetera, you know. I think that if you're a Mets fan, you're in good hands, though. Steve Cohen 
as we talked about in his introductory press conference, told you that he was not going to spend like a drunken sailor. Then he proverbially put his money where his mouth was, and he signed James McCann instead of the more expensive JT Realmuto. Actions louder than words, fiscal responsibility. My New Year's resolution for the New York Yankees, and probably more specifically for Brian Cashman, is to combat the narrative. That current narrative, as you know, is the feast or famine, home run or strikeout mentality that has plagued the Yankees at the plate and in turn prevented them from achieving their ultimate goal in winning a World Series. It's time for Cashman to channel his inner Billy Bean, to buck the trend, to find nose hitters with great on-base percentage and low strikeout rates. The formula that he and the Yankees have been relying on since the signing of John Carlos Stanton, for example, since the debut of Aaron Judge, for example, and the Baby Bombers, it's just not working. The sooner Brian Cashman and the front office can realize that, the better. So I guess my New Year's resolution for the Yankees is kind of twofold. One, recognize that a change needs to be made and then have the courage to make that change. Financials make it tough. I understand that. But perhaps a trade or two could set the Yankees back on what I believe to be, in my own opinion, the right track. My New Year's resolution for the New York Knicks is simply to continue to work hard. If you watch the games, and I think I've watched all of them to this point, you see a hungry team, a handsy defensive team, an aggressive team. It's refreshing to see an NBA team that actually plays defense, that actually rebounds the ball off the, the offensive glass, and gets back in transition nowadays. I subscribe to the mentality that when you keep your head down and work hard, good things have inevitably come to you. For example, you'll encounter friendly rims, and those iffy calls will trend your way. Knicks fans are an excitable bunch. And under head coach Tom Thibodeau, they have something to be excited about. Did you see the game t- like earlier tonight, a couple hours ago? Did you see it? Sure, the Knicks are closer to the bottom of the Eastern Conference standings than they are to the top of them. But you know how we talked a few weeks ago about moral victories for the New York Giants being, uh, what was the definition from Merriam-Webster? Uh, good and, and something else? good and powerful or something like that, I put the New York Knicks in that same category. Like the Giants, I don't know anyone that expected the Knicks to be playoff contenders before the season began, right? Be honest with yourself right now. So everybody, enjoy the journey. Enjoy the development of your young talent, especially enjoying the fact that Coach Thibodeau has absolutely unlocked Julius Randle. And maybe the Jets can possibly find a coach that's going to unlock their quarterback too should the Jets decide to keep Sam Donald, which I think at today, right now, they should. But back to the Knicks. Last season, the Knicks notched a total 17 miserable wins. Through six games so far this season, the Knicks are 18% of the way there. They worked hard to defeat the Pacers just a few hours ago, and entering play, Indy was tied for first place in the Eastern Conference. And don't look now, but the New York Knicks have the same record as the superstar-laden Brooklyn Nets, 3-3. Three and three. And for the Nets along that same vein, my New Year's resolution for the Brooklyn Nets is to learn how to play defense. My God, 
Okay, so the Nets score the sixth most points in the league. I don't think anybody's surprised by that. But they also give up the 15th most points per game. Now, that might not seem very significant, but the Nets literally scored 145 points the other night to the Hawks' 141. I didn't realize that they held the All-Star game at the end of December. Everyone knows that there is exactly zero defense scored in those all, played in those All-Star games. And I was curious about the score of the last All-Star game played. 2019, Team LeBron defeated Team Giannis 187-164. I mean, that was close to the score in the regular season. Nets came a few nights ago. My point being that since the Nets, who are currently sitting at 500, they have championship visions. Those types of games, the speed of them in particular, are brutal for the long-term health of your team. The Nets should absolutely be concerned about that. They've already lost Spencer Dinwiddie for the season. Kevin Durant is coming off one of the most devastating injuries a basketball player could sustain. And Kyrie Irving is, well, Kyrie Irving. So lots to do today, lots to get to. Let's hit the calls. Everything is on the table. As you can see, I just set it up nicely for you. 877-337-6666 is the number. I'm Danielle McCartan after midnight on the fan in New York City. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight here. You guys in New York City, I'm I'm just mid-tweet here. Okay, so Bob Papa just explained it to you. So if the Giants end up winning the division, week 17, here we are talking about the Giants winning the NFC East, right? If the Giants win the division and end up hosting the Buccaneers, because that's based on the permutations that I've seen anyway, who uh, the Giants would get. That's the last time, actually, that the Bucks were in the playoffs. The year was 2007, and they also played the Giants in that, in that first round in Tampa, though. And so I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I'm going to tweet that, and I was there. I was actually there. Um, and I'm going to tweet out a picture of, of me on the left, my cousin's husband next to me, my dad wearing a— uh, Shockey number 80 jersey. I'm wearing a Plaxico Burst number 17. 17 is my number. <laughs> uh, that's my uncle Uncle wearing a, a number 40, Mike Allstott, and then my, my cousin Danny on the far right. So when we left this game, as I'm writing right now, when we left this game, my dad said, as we were walking uh, on, on the, what are they called, when you go down the stadium, the ramps, down the ramps, um, he said the Giants... What do you say? Well, I guess the Giants live another week. And little did everybody know the Giants were going to go on to win the Super Bowl that season. So as I had some of those Super Bowl winning Giants from that team on my show, listen, do I think the New York football Giants are going to win the, 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 the Super Bowl this year? I mean, no, probably not. You know, a lot of stuff has to happen in order for them to get there to begin with, but... Once you get in, as those players told you, that's all that matters. All you need is to get in. And, of course, the Giants can get in. Obviously, they have to beat the Cowboys today. And then you Giants fans need to don your green, your Philadelphia Eagle green, and root for the Eagles on Sunday Night Football to beat Alex Smith and the Washington football team. And the Eagles, have you seen the injury report? There's a lot of players on them. So... On it, I should say. So, um, I think. Well, I don't want to give it away. I don't want to give it away. Let's let's see what you guys think. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Leading off tonight is Justin in Deer Park. Justin, you're on the fan. Hey Danielle, here I have a question for you tonight. Yes. 
right, here it is. What do you do you think Justin Fields is just best choice for the Jets right now? Sorry, I got a little tongue tied. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, Justin, and thanks for the call. We're we're gonna open this up early, I guess. So, uh, I I did a little. Mm, how should I say it? I, I did a little poking around, maybe about some some quarterback options for the Jets, with the understanding that Trevor Lawrence is pretty much off the board, and, and it's a good question. <sighs> you know, I think the Jets. I it's so much more difficult having the second pick than having the first pick because Trevor Lawrence still in my opinion, is the far and away favorite. And I guess some very two preliminary quarterback observations that I've made. Is it time for overreaction Sunday here on Justin Fields? Um, You know, there's good and bad. Um, I don't even know where to start with this. Some good things that I saw. I I mean, I love the tight window. Near impossible touchdown pass he had to the the tight end through two defenders. He played two hurt two games in a row, two big games in a row. Was it a finger injury the first time? What was the injury this time? Impressive that he played through it or them or concerning that he's injured. Maybe it was a potential out. You know, I haven't seen anything about, I don't know, because in the third quarter he comes out and he drops, I think it was a 61-yard in the air completion to a wide receiver for a touchdown. That was just Wow. Then quarter four, 45 yards in the air completion to a wide receiver for a touchdown. Wow. So those are some good things. I'm not going to overreact on one game. I'll be honest, and I told you the other day, I haven't seen much of Justin Fields just yet right now. I saw the two big games, and I'm evaluating him off of that. The first time I saw him was not good. This game was excellent. But I have a, I have a thing here. What does Justin Fields look like not in a shotgun formation. What does he look like under center? All six of his touchdown passes versus Clemson from the shotgun. And for me, his running back has been the story over these past two big ticket games. Versus Northwestern, he set uh, rushing records, 331 yards, two touchdowns. Versus Clemson, he had a 254 total yards and a touchdown, you know, receiving and and uh, and rushing. So, and and not to mention the Jets um, don't seem to have an explosive back like him. So what I'm saying is, I'm still even keeled on Justin Fields. Trevor Lawrence still is number one for me. I even delved a little bit into Zach Wilson. Uh, for right now, very very lukewarm on him. You know, none of these guys are really jumping off the page at me. And so that, I think, is the reason why you would keep Sam Darnold around for one more year. Call me crazy. Call me crazy. But you can see what these guys can do with, with some weapons. And Sam Darnold has not had uh, a number one wide receiver. I mean, I, even when Robbie Anderson was here, I, I did not think he was a number one. I thought he was a fine number two. Sam Darnold has had a average or below average rushing attack ever since he's gotten here. They finally put a nice piece of Mikai Becton on the line, so maybe they're going to look for that kid from Oregon for uh, for this year. 
this draft. You know, the Jets have a lot of avenues and a lot of options. And, and what it really is going to come down to is if, in fact, Adam Guru does get canned uh, within the next couple hours, <laughs> 24 hours or so, um, it's really going to depend on what that new head coach wants to do. And unfortunately, uh, Sam Dartle might get lost in the mix a little bit. We don't know. Uh, okay, going in the order that you guys called, Kevin and Camden, you're up next, Kevin. What's up, Coach? What's I want to up? Talk about, about the Knicks first. Um, they played really well tonight. They are a gritty win. I'll put it that way. Yeah, because they, look good. Their, their defense, I mean, I, I think they impressed me with Thibodeau. I'm, I'm telling you, I think you said a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to agree with you. I think he's the right coach. I really, I really do. I think he's the right guy to lead the Knicks. Yeah, I don't think there's any um, doubt at this point in time. And Alfred Payton, um, man, ever since I think I ripped him a couple weeks ago, <laughs> he's had some pretty decent games. I don't I know. know if you listen, I don't know if you listen to our show, but uh, to your show, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm, I'm starting to think he might. He's been balling since uh, I got yeah. that call. I know the, the first. I guess after the first game, I was like, why is he starting? He stinks, and now all That's, of a sudden, ex- exactly. <laughs> um, real quick about the Jets. Um, I watched Justin Fields this week, and he had a great game. I'm not going to deny it. He yeah. played. He balled. Great game. But I'm still I'm not sold on him because to be a franchise quarterback, you need to be consistent. And he hasn't been that. Now, you know, people ask me all week, what do you, what do you think about Justin Fields? He's all right. You know, he's a good, good game. I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to die. But I think, like I told you, the Jets should trade down because they have a lot of holes that they need to fill. The offensive line, receivers. They, I can go on and on about the Jets, but so, they need to trade. Yeah, yeah. so Kevin, I, I posted. I, I guess you voted trade down because I, I posted a poll earlier today on my Twitter, and and I said, um, now that you've slept on it, what are you guys doing at number two, Jets fans? So I put four options: Fields, Wilson, Sewell. I guess is how you say it, and, and trade yeah. down. Did you select trade down? I did. Yeah. Okay. Wh- okay, I'm going to take you to task a little bit, Kevin. Where are you trading down to, and who are you expecting to get there? Uh, I didn't. Th- I, I don't. I haven't. I haven't looked at the order, so I, I have I can't answer that. Okay, because but I'm just. I'm just willing to get picks and just rebuild the team that way. That's what. I'm. That's just what I would do. With All right, because I looked at the order. You you got to see that 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 Lawrence is going to the Jaguars, right? Yeah. And then yeah. number two, the Jets have. We'll, we'll pause that for a second. Number three is the Dolphins uh, via. I think it was Houston. I think I forget mm. off the top of my head, but. So the Dolphins are picking third. The Dolphins have their quarterback, so they're going to go offensive line. And that guy from Oregon, if that's your guy, which I haven't done my deep study yet, you can't really go too far <laughs> other than number yeah, two to no, get him. you're right. Oh, man. I know. That's where we're, we're sitting. I didn't, I didn't think about that. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll look at it when I get off. But and real quick about the Giants. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm not going to say we're going to win or not because I'm not going to try to jinx it. But I feel I feel good about the team, and like I told you last week, Gettleman deserves a shot. I really, cause I think honestly, with the, I mean the Giants need more of a pass rush than a receiver. Yes, I know Tim's been telling me all week, oh we need a receiver first. Nah, pass <laughs> rush, pass rush is the more dire need for the Giants. And uh, real quick, my my favorite Giant is not Eli or Strahan. My favorite Giant is Victor Cruz. Wow, Victor Cruz. All right, I give you that, that one was, to you. That was my boy because. One, I love the salsa dances he did after he scored. That yeah. was like, I loved it. And plus, he's Puerto Rican like I am. So, hey, a little biased there. But he was awesome, and he was my guy. Yeah, and you know but what look, else I liked about yeah. him too, Kevin? Undrafted. Yeah. I, I, I always like those exactly. guys. Exactly. That, that, that's a great story. Great story. Yeah. All right. I'll give, you, I'll give you Victor Cruz. All right, fine. 
<laughs> so thanks for taking my call. Of and, course. Uh, we'll see what happens. All and, right. I'll call you next week. Talk to you next week. Hopefully the Giants will be playing um, a, a home football playoff game next week. Hopefully next week we can be preparing for the Giants and the Bucks and all those storylines of how the Giants know how to beat T- Tampa Bay, uh, or should I say Tampa Bay, Tom Brady. And here's a little message. Attention to everybody, all the Gettleman haters out there. You know on this show, I make a case every single week for the Giants to keep Dave Gettleman. Attention Gettleman haters. Your head coach has spoken that he, Dave Gettleman, and the remaining of the team's front office and the coaching staff share a common vision. One vision going forward is all these quotes coming out of this Joe Judge thing. I've really enjoyed working with Dave this entire year. We've done good things together. Guess what? Case closed, you guys. Dave Gettleman is here to stay. Oh, and look at this. Tim in East Haven, you're up third tonight. Tim, what's up? You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Know when to walk away. Know when to run. Adam Gase. <laughs> Happy New Year, Coach. Uh, Happy New Year, Kevin. Okay, Kevin. I, Tim, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was just reading on Twitter. Kevin's tweeting me on Twitter. I'm reading. Sorry, Tim. What's up? It's all good. Um, so w- what's going on with this? Um, you know, Craig Carton, Wednesday, Thursday, saying he mm-hmm. had the breaking news. Mm-hmm. And, and then and then Rich Cimini, a little interview with Adam Gase. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, flat out, oh, I haven't heard anything like that. Or, Tim, this whole thing has WFAN it, and ESPN teaming up. Do you believe it? On the map. It's like the Hatfields and the McCoys are, are teaming up to get to the bottom of this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not to mention, last like last weekend, at basically this time, Jason LaConfora, a good friend of the show, tweeted that the, the Jets were going to part with him last week. Then you got the new reports of, who, who said it now? Ian Rappaport now, or Tom Pellicero. They're saying it now. I will right. believe it when I see it from the team. I don't care about these sources. Craig, I respect him. Everybody, every one of those guys I respect. But guess what? As Bill Pelichick did on to the done, Jets. done, right? It, right. So it's done, it's done. I'm hopeful, but I'm not throwing the party just yet. I hear you on that. I totally hear you on that. And like you guys, I can't believe I'm leading with the Jets. I know. You're it's a like, Giant fan, weird. Tim. <laughs> This is so weird for me, but uh, when you and both Kevin are saying that uh, Fields doesn't jump out at you and keep Darnold, and I voted in your pool, and I voted Sewell. Yeah. Get that offensive line yep. studworthy with Becton and him on either side. You kidding me? And Darnold's get- never been properly protected since he's been here. Correct. And then, then if Darnold doesn't work out, you let him go in his fifth-year option, and then you bring in a guy who can you can install right into that offensive line, the, the, the Indianapolis Colts way. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, now we talk about my beloved Giants. Mm-hmm. Uh, just win, baby. <laughs> Please. Just I know. Win. Um, for all the Gettleman haters, um, like you said, you know, Judge has been quoted as, you know, saying we're all on the same page and this is all good, mm-hmm. Dandy. But it, I got a little Twitter war with Lori Rubinson, also from Uh-oh. the fan. Uh oh. Yeah, she was in the, in the, wants to get rid of him. And, you know, her and I will never see eye to eye on this subject. So my whole thing was I ended the whole tweeting war with her with, well, who's your replacement? Mm. And when she doesn't answer, I'm just like, 
you know, if you're going to want to replace a guy, give me an answer. Yeah. You know, like a Scott Pioli, someone in, in New England that worked with Judge. You got to give me something. You can't just like, just, just end it. <laughs> well, see, I know. I, I I know. You can't just end it. And and maybe she got busy. Lori, I, I, you know, obviously I respect Lori and everything, but um, I, you know what? Tim, we've been talking from the beginning. Dave Gettleman, as far as I'm concerned, on this show was going nowhere this entire season. I know people wanted to fire him. It's, it's like overreaction time, you know. I wasn't ready to do it. I think that, and I and I pointed every single week to the free agent signings, to the signings that he has made in season so far, this season, to propel the Giants forward. I think Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge is a really good team, and and, it, and I've never wavered on that. You know what I mean? No, I totally, and we, we're locked up on that. Absolutely. And uh, I got to agree with Papa Carton. Uh, LT, LT is the way to go. I know. Absolutely. Oh, his favorite story they're, is they're... He, he used to do electrician, electrical work in his house and wherever it was, Saddle River or wherever. I kind of tune him out by that by that time. <laughs> <laughs> One quick little hockey note. Yeah. We have this huge, awesome thing starting as New York Rangers training camp come Monday. Mm-hmm. The Rangers going to have an awesome young goalie in Shesterk, and the Islanders have an awesome young goalie in Sorkin, mm-hmm. and even the Philly Flyers have Carter Hart. This is going to be some fun hockey this year, so hopefully we can get, I doubt have fans in the stands, but hopefully we, we, we get a little fun area rivalry back. Well, Tim, thanks for taking my call. Of course, Th- thanks for the call, Tim, and thanks for the song in the beginning too. And hockey is about to open up this week, you guys. I think the rivalries are going to be, if they're not created already, they're going to be, um, how should I say it, very much more intense because of the simple fact that they are going to be playing each other more in a in the sing- same single season that they're ever going to have played each other in the past. So I think hockey season is going to be fun. Hey, and did you see that they're going to have an outdoor game at uh, Lake Tahoe? Or two of them, actually. And one of them being the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Obviously, no fans. What a shame, right? That would have been real cool. And how about the Giants? Are you out there saying that the Giants should actually lose this game? I want to hear from you. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on the fan. This is the next episode of McCartan After Midnight here in 2021, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of 2021. And here we are. If you're a Giants fan, you are staring at the playoff picture for the New York Giants to not only just uh, win a wild card spot, the New York Giants could win the NFC East. As amazing as that sounds, they were 0-5. They were 1-7. So here's the scenarios, the permutations. Washington, though, will clinch the division if it beats the Eagles first. If... Washington loses, and the Cowboys defeat the Giants, the Cowboys clinch. If Washington loses, and the Giants defeat the Cowboys, the Giants clinch. The Giants can become the worst playoff team ever if they win on Sunday, and the Washington football team loses to the Eagles. So tomorrow, you are a Giants fan at 1 p.m., and you're an Eagles fan for Sunday Night Football. And by the way, if it's Washington that ends up going and representing the NFC East, they'll be tied with the 2010 Seattle Seahawks as the worst playoff team ever. Tied. If it's anyone else, they will be the worst playoff team ever. Just got to get into the dance. And here we are, right on the TV in the studio. Uh, 
Washington believes it looks very promising for Alex Smith to start. And they're showing Alex Smith highlights. Who Can we all agree, whatever fan you are, can we all agree that Alex Smith is the NFL's comeback player of the year? I think, can we all agree on that? Let's uh, collectively nod our heads right now. Um, the Washington football team are, is 4-1 and one with Alex Smith as the, uh, as the starter, 22 points or 23 points per game. Everybody else, they're 2-8, 18 points a game. Mm, my prediction coming up. Let's first go to the phones, 877-337-6666. Bob in Bayside, you're on the fan. Danielle, how are you? I'm good. How are I, you, Bob? I smell uh, a little bit of a con job and a hustle job by the Giants. What do you mean? I saw, I saw signs last week that Daniel Jones' mobility was improving. Mm, mm. There's, a thing in, there's a thing in sports called rope doping and playing possum. I think he's fully healthy again now. And the Giants are pretending. Daniel Jones gave a press conference a few days ago and said, well, I guess I have to be a pocket quarterback. I smell a little bit of a hustle. Guy. They are playing possum, and there's, they don't want Dallas to be preparing for run option plays, mm-hmm. and they're going to they're gonna bring that run option play out. Well, you could hope, because over the past two weeks, he's had three yards rushing, but he did show improvement. I smell a little bit of a con job going uh, it on. It could be. Respect. It very well could be. Listen, Joe Judge comes from the Bill Belichick coaching tree. It's not unfathomable. I th- I'm with you. Bob, I'm with you. I think that's what's going on here, too. One other thing. Yep. Uh, what Kevin said and what we, me and you said last Saturday night, they have to generate some pressure on Dalton because you have to admit those three receivers are, are quality receivers. Oh, yeah. Those three receivers can start anywhere else and be the number one receiver on any other team. Right. And that you know, when, when you give a quarterback time, that zone that they play with the Giants, those holes open up. Yep. And uh, that's tell you, you got to generate some, bring some blitz packages. I don't know what to do. But I have one before I go. I have one. Last Saturday night, there was a big talk about Eli, remember? Mm-hmm. Everybody was, Eli Manning, in my opinion, two years ago, was not done. The Giants lost six or seven games by less than five, six points. Yes. And in all of those games, you could check it out. Even, even Brady had to come back. To uh, Eli had them in position to win. And the defense blew five or six games in the last two, three minutes of every game. Eli was not done by any means. And he didn't, he didn't miss a game in 15 years, not one game. Uh, Breeze is 41. Brady's 43. Roethlisberger and uh, Rivers are 38. And they're still doing their job. Eli was not done at all. You know, and that's interesting, too, because I remember, Bob, and I was I was here. I, I believe I, I did a show about this, too. Um I didn't think Eli was done either, and I I remember doing a lot of research defensively, and I remember saying, okay, so the Giants' defense stinks, right? So let me see, let me run some numbers and do some calculations and everything. If the Giants had, like, a mediocre defense, and I picked, like, the last team I believe to get in was the Bears that year. If if you put the Bears' defense on the Giants with the same offense, the Eli Manning run offense, the Giants would have made the playoffs that year. I remember right. that. And uh, if you, you could look it up. Eli had them in, in position to win five or six games, and the defense blew it in the last few minutes. I was down in Atlantic City. I was watching a, the game with Brady. And this, this was a Super Bowl-bound Brady team. And uh, Brady had to pull a miracle comeback with three minutes to go and two minutes to go in the game to beat the Giants. 
Eli had the Giants in position in five or six games to win the games, and the defense blew it that year. He was not done by any means. I know that was the theme last Saturday night. Yeah, a little bit. You know, so anyway, uh, we we all got to hope uh, about the Giants tomorrow. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> Bob, thanks for the call. I'll talk to you next week, hopefully in a Giants uh, playoff scenario here. But, yeah, I don't think Eli Manning was done. Um, I also don't think Eli Manning wanted to go to a different team, and that's kind of how it ended, especially since the draft of Daniel Jones. Now, we started off the phone call, though, more, more um, relevant to this week, is is Daniel Jones a really – a hundred percent or what was that? So basically um, my question to you is, is the media back and forth with his comments and then Joe judges comments just playing around or is it just fact? Is it a page out of old protege Bill Belichick's book? I don't know. I am not at practice and certainly they would not be showing off his mobility in the media portion of the practice. Obviously, if they're trying to keep it under wraps, that's top secret stuff, you know, right? So Daniel Jones on Wednesday says, this is a quote. He says, I feel good. I feel healthy. But I think you can tell from the tape that I'm not. I can't do a lot of the same things I'm used to doing. But for the time being, I'll probably have to adjust the way I play. I've been doing that the last few weeks. That doesn't sound like Daniel Jones is a man of a few words, Daniel Jones, always. And that was kind of like a lot from him. So then there was a follow-up question, and I don't know who asked it because I didn't actually see the video. Um, I read it online. Um, But he responded to the follow-up question as, I certainly haven't been as involved in the run game, certain areas of getting out of the pocket, scrambling, things like that. But I feel good. I feel a lot better, and I'll continue to work with the trainers and improve. Then Joe Judge on Thursday says that he read like me, read Daniel Jones's comments and that he said Jones was more forthcoming than he would have been. So is this a whole, I don't know, a whole trickery? I think it is. I don't think you come out and tell the defense of the Dallas Cowboys, hey, I'm not going to be running. Hey, I'm just going to be a pocket passer. You don't just come out and say that. You'd be an idiot if you just came out and said that and it was actually true. So now um, the Giants actually have to, or the Cowboys out actually have to plan for a dual threat, a uh, um, dual faceted Daniel Jones. And even if it's not true, at least they've diverted, the Giants have successfully, I'm sure, been able to divert some of the attention in the game plan to a run game. And the other point I wanted to make was this the weather. Oh, baby. Not only. Does this Week 17 football game mean something at the Meadowlands later today? But there is going to be a major weather factor. I don't know if you checked the forecast or not, but the National Weather Service has issued a winter weather advisory for the northern parts of Bergen County, my part of Bergen County, until 9 a.m. or 9 a.m. Sunday morning, which is six hours from now, until midnight Sunday night. Should the temperatures drop just a little bit, 30 minutes down Route 17, the rain-snow line drops a little bit, the Giants could be looking at a slushy, snowy, sleety mess at the Meadowlands. And either way, if not, East Rutherford is expecting significant rain, according to the Weather Channel app. That's what I use. So who... I stepped back and I was like, okay, so who does that 
impact more? Who does the weather help or hurt? The Giants. The Giants it's going to help, and here's why. Because the Cowboys' defense kind of sucks. Their total defense is ranked 30th in the league. They give up the most yards on the ground in the league, and it's not even close. They give up the seventh most rushing touchdowns. See where I'm going with this? So if the weather calls for a ground-and-pound game plan, the Giants match up really well, actually. Especially, like we were just talking about, if Daniel Jones, who has three rushing yards over the past two weeks, can break off even a few mediocre runs, like on third down to keep the drive alive, let's just say that, at least it's going to keep the defense honest. At least the Giants will be able to work in some some RPOs. At least the Giants are going to be able to work in some play-action passes. Because as we all know, since we all play Madden, and we could talk about that after the break, but since we all play Madden, that the run opens up the pass. Right? You've been watching football a long time, everybody. So I, I think that because the Cowboys' run defense is just really bad, and again, any given Sunday, but I think... In a sloppy game, sloppy weather, I think advantage goes Giants in this. Not to mention the Cowboys play with a retractable roof in perfect conditions all the time. So, hey, we can we can do it right off the jump here. Giants key to victory. The Giants have scored. If you guys want to get aboard and tell me your thoughts, 877-337-6666, you know that number. The Giants have scored 17.1 points per game this season which is second to last only to the miserable Jets. Over the last three games, it actually has dropped to 8.3 points a game. Second to last again, only to the Patriots, though, surprisingly. Is Daniel Jones going to be a threat to run? That is the main question. That is the essential question going into this game in, in Week 17. The week before, against the Cardinals, he ran for exactly zero yards. That one-dimensional offensive play on the part of the Giants would scare me if I were a Giants fan in Week 17. So my my key to victory, with all that being said, for the Giants is going to be to be able to generate points elsewhere, as in defensively, as in special teams, and I think the weather is very conducive to that. I think um, a defense can come up with, let's say, a fumble, because when you look and, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit in the Cowboys' key to victory, but Ezekiel Elliott, he has the most amount of fumbles for a running back in the league. Five. So, this is another advantage, Giants. But the defense, the special teams, they're going to have to supplement the offense somehow. I, I listen. I know there's been a lot of growth since week from week five when they last met to to week seventeen. That's my birthday, five seventeen, by the way. But I point to week five because Kyler Fackrell had a forty six yard pick six against Dak Prescott, forty six yarder. That would push put some pressure on the Dallas Cowboys, especially considering the weather, which we keep mentioning, but. Dallas, again, they play. I wish they put a retractable roof on MetLife Stadium, by the way. That's besides the point. There are never really any adverse conditions over there in, in Jerry World. And then the Cowboys' key to victory. You see, for the Cowboys to win this game, 
they're going to be able to have to force Daniel Jones into playing hero ball. Daniel Jones has got 10 fumbles, nine interceptions, and nine touchdowns. The way you force him into playing hero ball, as you guys know, is to jump out to an early lead if you're the Cowboys, control the game with your clock manager quarterback in uh, in uh, Andy Dalton, your game manager in Andy Dalton, and more importantly, your running backs who average 113 yards per game. Zeke Elliott has the eighth most yards in the entire league alone. But, like we just mentioned, he has the most amount of rushing fumbles among all uh, running backs, I should say. Consider the forecast. This may end up being the most significant thing I have might have said so far. So, But working in the Cowboys' favor and, and controlling the clock and dictating the game... The New York Giants have not scored a first-half touchdown since the Bengals game in Week 12. That was many moons ago. Many moons ago. So we'll do the prediction in the first hour here. So the Dallas Cowboys statistically have the worst defense that has suddenly come alive in takeaways. They actually lead the entire league in that category through the month of December. They're plus nine. The Cowboys are in turnover differential over the last three games. You know that I always like to point to and try to keep track of when I watch games, the points off turnovers statistic. You guys know I like that. So the Cowboys in their 10 takeaways, they've scored, they've turned them into 48 points. That's pretty good. That's a lot. And their offense has also been surging over the past three games. This is the Cowboys now. The offense has scored over 30 points in each of those games. This is more, my prediction is more of like, I guess you say more of like a a heart decision than a head decision. I'm going to be honest here. But I am taking the Giants 20, Cowboys 17. I say Giants 20, Cowboys 17. And the way I see this game playing out, and if I I nail this again, because I did last year, I want to say the year before, nail... Uh, the final prediction, just like this. If I, in fact, I am right about this, I'm going to go and, and put some money on on uh, the Powerball. The Giants into at least contention. That's how this game's going to end on a Graham Gano field goal. Giants twenty, Cowboys seventeen, and obviously, that's pending the result of the Washington Philly game. Hopefully, if you're a Giant fan. The Philadelphia Eagles can dig deep and pull something out. I don't know. Jalen Hurts goes off. They play for their coach who's pretty much going to be back next season. Who knows? Okay, so Mike McCann on an update, you guys, and get aboard 877-337-6666 on Danielle McCartan on the fan. Danielle McCartan. Welcome back into McCartan After Midnight. Everybody, it's 3.04 in the morning. From Lower Manhattan, in the city that never sleeps, um, and that's indicative of the phone lines here. We have one line open; it has your name all over it. Every call in the bank here. The topic, of course, is the New York Football Giants. The Giants, as you all know very well, know as we just went through, could potentially be playing playoff football next week. Believe it or not, everybody, the Giants, who started zero and five, and then one and seven, could be making their way to the playoffs. We'll see about that. And then, if you're a Jet fan, 
Um, your coach, Adam Guru, might be out the door. And I say might because you know what? Until I see the statement from the team, I'm not going to believe it. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Actually, in my opinion, as you know, it should have happened last. First of all, he should have never been hired. And it should have happened last season at two junctures. Uh, one being when he uh, when he, his Jets lost to the Miami Dolphins in Miami. They were 0-5 at the, at the time. Or, as we talk about every week, how he skipped Thanksgiving dinner to plan for the 0-11 Bengals. And then the Jets lost to the 0-11 Bengals. Um Pretty miserably, if I recall correctly. So um, those are kind of the two main uh, football topics that are on the table right now. Do you think the Jets are going to go into New England and beat the Patriots? You saw Bill Belichick slamming the phone down and the memes all that populated the internet after that. Everybody had their two cents. I obviously had mine as well. Cam Newton, not looking good, everybody. But we'll see. We'll see what happens with the Jets. You know what? I actually think and I actually hope that they end up winning that game. I know I've been a proponent of the Jets losing out, but you know what? They're locked into number two, so go up there and beat them. That's what I'm saying. We've got a lot of Giants calls here. Eddie in Rockland, we will kick it off with you. We'll kick off the 3 o'clock hour with you, Eddie. What's up? Hey, Danny. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Uh, all right. Uh, first of all, on the draft, for both Jets and Giants, mm-hmm. I'm a proponent of... You don't need a quarterback or a running back until you've got your offensive line and wide receivers. Look at Barkley. If you were to trade down from that second pick two times and picked up a couple of extra seconds, you could have built the whole offensive line. Okay, you're going to waste you wasted money and years on him. Mm. Same thing with uh, with Dar- with Darnold. Mm-hmm. Okay, they the quarterback. They had no offensive line. They had no wide receivers. What is he going to do? Okay, now you're worried about paying him. You got to pick. Offensive guard, guard, uh, center first, maybe a tight end. Then the next draft, get your wide receivers. And then your third draft, your big players, your your back. Yeah, your your dynamic players. Offensive tackle, the big paid guys. You get the longevity and the cheaper guys first, build it, and then put the big parts on top of it, like the, the cream on the on the Sunday and the cherry on top. I, but as far as- yeah, Eddie, I like the strategy. I, I think that the um, I think the Colts ended up realizing that too late, though, and I think um, the Tennessee Titans did it the right way. They, they Conklin and, and Taylor Luan in their drafts, and and then you see what they're able to accomplish. So, so I agree with you. In, in theory, yes, it, I do agree with you that that is how it should be done. Right, because now look at the Giants. The Giants got to worry about Barkley, and then they got to worry about Daniel Jones's contract. And they still don't even have an offensive line. They don't even have wide receivers. So until you build that eighty percent of your offense, you don't need those those that quarterback or that that running back. You don't even need them. Like the Jets, I would trade down, and even if I got a great pick for Donald. I would take it. If not, I would ride Donald out one more year. I would trade down at least two times to about 15. I'd pick up the two two uh, guards, the center, and maybe a tight end and try to get five picks between 15 and 45. And that means also trading up from your third, fourth, you know, and make some movements that you get five or six picks within that that span. And then you could build your offensive line, your defensive line, throw a couple of free agents here and there on wide receiver, and now you got rolling with something. 
Yeah, I, I know. And that's, Eddie, that's hard. That's hard to do, though. You know what I mean? That's, it, what is Sam Donald worth? Is he worth a third? Is he worth a second? We know. Like, I wouldn't take, wouldn't take anything less than a mid-second for Donald. If they don't, no one wants to offer that, then I would ride him out for his last year. I agree. I am because with like you. I said, I, like I said, you don't need a quarterback and a running back in this league if, unless you have an offensive line and some wide receivers. You have to have those guys set before you put, in the, put the cherry on top and, and the cream on Sunday. Yeah, Eddie, thanks for the call there. You know, and I also think that there's one position that the Jets have absolutely really neglected, and I tweeted it. How about a tight end? How about you look at all these – you look at Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. He's got Travis Kelsey. Down in Philadelphia, they had uh, – or they had, when he wasn't hurt, Zach Ertz. Dynamic. They have in, in San Francisco, when it was all working, Kittle. So all of these that, – that's your check down guy, not the running back. Your check down is your tight end. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's your guy. That's your, your, your safety valve for all of these, these young quarterbacks. Sam Darnold. Who's he throwing to? Chris Herndon? Guy can't even catch a cold. That's what I'm trying to say. I like the big old tight ends. Like I like um, like a Mark Bavaro type, the bruising kind of guys. These these little dynamic guys that could be slot receivers. I'm not a fan of them. Then put them in a slot receiver, and Evan Ingram comes right to mind. I think I think the philosophy is right, but I don't think you can just wipe and start all over. You have to deal with what you're given. And if I'm the Jets. I'm not going so far down. You know, listen, I, I not, have not been able to. I mean, this football season is still going on. I admittedly, and I think understandably, have not done my my deep dive into the, you know, these prospects and all these, these even position groups, really, and, you know, who, who's going to be available. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, th- these guys, most of these guys haven't even declared for the draft yet. So let's pump the brakes a little bit on that. Um because, like I just outlined, if if Sewell from Oregon, I always say Oregon, I always have to like slow myself down, but Oregon, if he's the guy you want, well, then, then the next pick, number three, is the Dolphins. And if the Jets don't pick him at two, the Dolphins will pick him at three. So there's a lot of, and if he's your number one guy, I don't even know if he's the number one guy, but right now he's the consensus number one guy. I haven't done my own research. That's just what I'm hearing and seeing. So there's a lot to be figured out. You know, the draft order isn't even solidified yet, too, because the Giants could be, um, I don't know, they could be, and stop with the nonsense of the Giants getting the third overall pick. Can you please, Can we just put that to rest? Right now the Giants are picking eighth. If they win the East, they'll have the 19th pick. And if we get, want to get real crazy, if they win their wild card playoff game, it, well, if they win their, their first round playoff game, they could pick at number 25. So, hey, you never know, right? Okay, let's go to Michael in Bayside. Back to Bayside. Michael, you're on the fan. How are you? Good evening. How are, How you? are you? Good morning, actually. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. All good. So, um, with Alex Smith uh, getting comeback uh, player of the year and with Washington uh, highly motivated to uh, win the title, what do you think the chances are uh, that Philly gets it done or Washington gets it done. Um, even if the Giants, uh, you know, get to score 20 points on Dallas, I agree it's going to be close. 
I like your score very much. Uh, I think it's going to be a close one, maybe even overtime. Um, but what do you think of Philly and Washington? Thank you so much for taking the call. Yeah, of course, Michael. And ooh, overtime wouldn't that wouldn't that be nice? Nice overtime game to end end potentially end the season. Um, okay, so I, I guess the, the question boils down to: Is it going to it, pr- provided that the Giants win? Is it going to be Washington or the Eagles that come out with a victory? Just looking at the the most updated point spread right now on on Fanduel on the app here, it will load. Okay, so this is basically a pick'em game too. This is um, the Eagles are the under, three and a half point underdogs is what the the spread is, and that's um, really good considering that the Eagles have ruled out. I'm looking at Eagles.com; they have ruled out nine players. Um, I'm trying to look at Fletcher Cox out. Uh, Dallas Goddard, out. Deshaun Jackson, out. Uh, Miles Sanders, out. And there's still uh, a lot of guys that um, are potentially going to be out. Uh, so I guess I'm I'm roundabout saying that based on what I'm looking at right here, the injury report, I don't know if Philadelphia is going to have a chance. Um, They would have a chance, though, if... So, uh, Terry McLaurin, who has been one of the, I don't know, most electric receivers this entire season, he has not practiced. He did not practice Wednesday. He did not practice Thursday or Friday. So, he's questionable. Typically, when they don't practice for those three days, they're pretty much out. It's not official. So that gives you hope if you're a Giant fan looking at this Eagles and, and Washington football team game. Alex Smith is back. Who knows? He, he, was, he did not practice Wednesday, and he was limited the rest of the week. I know I'm just reading you the report that you guys can read on your own. It's just I don't know. if It's almost like you just flip a coin, and, and it is what it is. So um, I'm hopeful that the Eagles can pull it out. I'm not thinking it's too probable. So if you're a Giant fan... I think you'd be happy with a giant win over the Cowboys. And then if it has to be, it has to be a, the Washington football team beats the Eagles. Well, then you miss the playoffs. And I think you you look at it and potentially a number 10 pick right now. You're number eight. So you get your win. You slide down two spots. Might be a win-win, but crazier things have happened. I, I haven't checked the weather for Philadelphia. Is there going to be weather in Philadelphia too? You know, it, it's, it's any given Sunday. Right as the Jets showed you when they went in or went across the country two weekends in a row. The first weekend to Seattle, flew home, and then flew right back out pretty much to L.A., stunned the world, and beat the Rams. And yes, the Philadelphia weather forecast is calling for 41 degrees. Well, it's a night game, right? Is it in Philadelphia? Oh, I don't even know where this game is. Uh, I'll get back to you on that. But if it is in Philadelphia, it's it's night temperature of, and it can't be much different in DC. Thirty five degrees and ninety percent chance of rain. So, sloppy game there too. Let's go to. Uh, we're going right to the break here at twenty. Let's go to Vernon in Manhattan. Vernon, you're on the fan. Vernon. Hey Daniel, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> uh, what was the question? Did you see that uh, from last year? Did you see that video 
I did. I watched it. I did. How am- That was like amazing. I could not believe what I was seeing. I could not believe that was real. Yeah, I didn't know that. That was cool. So Vernon last week told me to look up the the video of the guy parachuting into what was it, eighty six World Series with the Mets. Yes, eighty six. Crazy. That's a crazy. It's like a minute long. Check it out. It's cool. And he had, he had gold Mets on the back of his um uh, thing when he was coming in, yeah, and cool. as he was escorted in, um, the police officer they took him into the Mets dugout, and you see uh, Darling run down and sitting on the side. Uh, and gave him five for what he did. <laughs> I saw that. Cool. <laughs> now, there's two other things you don't know about this. Um, it's scared while he's back. Uh, oh, I, yeah, I read it. I read it. He was pretty scared about it. Yeah. <laughs> the only one who really could see him coming in is actually the batter, the umpire, and the catcher. Mm-hmm. So while he's back and standing there, all of a sudden something comes in front of him and he almost jumps out of the skin. I would have too, I think. <laughs> <laughs> now, the guy actually, when he was arrested, he was uh, brought in. I think he got a $500 fine. Worth it. And um, <laughs> I, I, I think he did some community time or whatever. But the thing was, they wanted to get an answer from him, which he has never given the answer. They wanted to know who was the pilot. You see, they wanted to bring charges against him and the pilot for flying him in, but he never gave up the name. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, so let's go to the uh, to the Giants. Yes. All right. Daniel, I'm putting you on the spot. Oh, no. On, on the radio, okay? Okay. All right. And when I give you this question, you can't back down. You have to pick... Between the three, okay? Okay, multiple choice. Right. Go. I have $1,050 extra in my wallet. All my bills paid up. I got extra money in the other wallet. That $1,050, who should I put it on? The Giants, Dallas, or Washington? Where should I put my money on? Looking at the injury report of the Philadelphia mm-hmm. Eagles, I would go Washington. Okay, put the thousand fifty dollars on Washington. Yep. All right, you got it. I am not responsible for any lost wages here, Vernon. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Of course, I'll talk to you next week. (laughs) I again, I give you all the advice, but I am not responsible for any lost wages for anybody. Anything that I say, everybody, please don't come after me. Although I did put ten dollars on the Jets to beat the Patriots tomorrow, maybe maybe that would be choice three there, Vernon. All right, we have to hit the break. 877-337-6666 is the number. You guys know that. Get aboard. We have uh, three open lines for you guys. And if you're there, hang on. I promise I'll get to you. I'm Danielle McCartan. After midnight on The Fan. The Giants still have a shot to get into the NFL postseason. They need a win over the Cowboys combined with an Eagles win over the Washington football team. Hi, this is Bob Papa. Please join us at 1130 this morning for Giants game day, followed at 1 p.m. by the Giants and Cowboys. We'll also have the Washington-Philadelphia game at 820, right after the Bears and Packers second half coverage from the Windy City. All here on The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. Nothing on you. 
That's Bruno Mars. See, we're doing this thing. I'm pretty much undefeated in these these welcome back songs, everybody. I, and th- this is only with Emmanuel we do this. <laughs> uh, it's different. It's a different flavor. Every producer, I like it. So I'm going with it. If you guys have been paying attention, if you have not been living under a rock, I just wanted to really um, just bring this to everybody's attention here. If you might have missed it, um, Becky Hammond. And I know I got some Giants calls on hold, so so please hang in there. I just wanted to bring this to everybody's attention. Becky Hammond is the uh, made history this week as the first woman to assume head coaching responsibilities in the NBA. Greg Popovich was, um, uh, what's that called? He was ejected, and he turned to her, and she took over. And if you're unfamiliar with her, her line of work, Becky Hammond's resume began as a prolific member of our New York Liberty, who I am wearing a New York Liberty shirt tonight, actually. Sabrina Inescu, number 20 on the back. She earned so many awards. She represented our country in the Olympic Games. She's been an assistant coach under Popovich for the Spurs since August 5th, 2014. So I, I tweeted about this. Obviously, I feel very passionately about this. I, I did the hashtag bet on women. Give us a chance to succeed. My challenge to you, the listenership, throughout the year of 2021, Open your mind and watch a women's sports game or match or contest, whatever it is. I know Tim tells me he watches the LPGA. Great. You've got a golden, easy opportunity this upcoming summer with the Olympics. Don't worry. I'm going to be reminding you. And Emmanuel pulled up some audio of uh, Greg Popovich talking about her. um, And here it is. On the bigger question of you know, her having taken over in an NBA game, uh, to, to me, it's it's not a big surprise. I guess to, to a lot of other people, uh, it, it meant a lot, and I can understand that. But uh, she's uh, somebody who's very skilled and could very easily uh, fulfill the duties of a head coach in the NBA. Uh, that goes out saying. I mean, there are women in every other endeavor in the world, whether it's government, science, technology, aviation, doesn't matter what it is. Uh, women do uh, the same jobs as well and better than men. Uh, and that's a fact. So there's no reason why somebody like Becky uh, and other women can't be coaches in the NBA. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Give us a chance. All of us in any profession, give us a chance. Back to the phones, 877-337-6666. Ben in Queens, you're up. Well, you already know I'm taking this challenge. This challenge is easy. I got I got a uh, USA women's match coming up in about two weeks. And, hey, I've already got this one before the freaking end of January. So there you go. <laughs> what match uh, is that? Uh. I think they're they're prep. I think they're heading to Sweden. The soccer team? Yes, I believe so. I I believe so because I think that uh, that Challenge Cup that Sweden holds is still on. So I think it's a bunch of the players that are playing over in Europe right now. Mm -hmm. And a couple of U.S. people have already flown over there and they're in quarantine. Ooh. So they could be ready for that match. Okay. I'll, I'll do more checking. I'll get okay. more info for it for you. But I'm pretty sure it's like Sweden, New Zealand, 
the Americans in Australia. I'm typing so, it in, but go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, it's the games in Philly. Yes, so I look, I forgot to mention that too. I, I did make, double check that on the on the pause there. Yes, the game is in Philly. Okay. Quick thing about the Bulls. You know, some of these young men gotta grow up. Okay, that Kentucky North, uh, North Carolina State game today. It was a well contested match until the second half, and both teams just they they decided. You know, we saw the BS that. Tulsa and Mississippi State did, and we could go one up on them. That was just, woof. Ben, one of the biggest takeaways from that game was the kid that was faking dead on the field, (laughs) flopping dead after he was pushed, and then his teammates had to revive him. I think that was the biggest takeaway from that Kentucky game. I know, but if I'm an official and I see a player do that, then I know something's up, and I throw a flag, and he gets an unsportsmanlike too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the official's looking dead at him, too, as he's doing this. <laughs> right there in my mind, it's like, you know, I think I just got got. Excessive <laughs> celebration. <laughs> exactly. And then the, 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 the CPR got, got like, really? 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 Oh, I, my God. I, you guys flagged somebody for throwing a shoe down the field, but that's not getting a flag? <laughs> um, I can't. Uh, just a quick memo. Hello, Yankees. Are we up? I know. We're, we're going to keep on harping on this, Yankees. I'm not hearing any movement from your Yankees. I know it's the holiday season, but you guys are being quiet. Yeah, like, <laughs> hello, Yankees. Are you there? I know. Are you awake? I know. I don't know. All right. So, we'll so with, with the Giants and with the Jets, Giants simply put, you know what you have to do. No excuses. It's on the table there. All you guys got to do is win. That's it. Beat them somehow. Playoff hope's still alive. Enough said. With, with my Jets, I want them to make sure that you're the only Cam that's being spoke about ever. All right? And for folks out there, Cam, coach after midnight. You, you know, simply put, end the, end the Pats. And the Pats, you you can't get the number one seed no more. Good, let's get a little payback. We're mm-hmm. locked into number two. Good, Let, let's let's help Belichick with his suffering just a little bit more. I like it. And finally, I will leave with this. You you know, I could hit the Knicks, but I'm not going to try to jinx them anymore. But we're <laughs> going to focus on Becky Hammond, one of the best players ever for the Liberty. Mm-hmm. All right, her. You know, the Liberty had a run there. With her following Teresa Witherspoon mm-hmm. of just fantastic point guard play. Yep. Okay? But what folks don't understand is Becky Hammond is one of the few women to actually win a title in a men's sport. She coached the Spurs Summer League team with, with 12 other teams in it, and they I think they only lost one game on that run, but she won their Vegas thing. Mm-hmm. And the, the hilarious thing is um, the guys interviewing her after the game, like, were you nervous? Were you? And, and I'm <laughs> sitting down there looking at the interview, and I put it up on Twitter. I'm looking at the interview and go like, uh, guys, she's been coaching for six years now. I know. <laughs> you know, give, give. Put some respect on Becky Hammond's name, and and she just stood there and she took the question and went like, 
it's no big deal. I coach. I, oh, did it, did it make you worked up when, when he had to go? How did you find out? Well, Pop just walked over as he's leaving and said, it's yours, and walked away. And I'm like, that's Becky Hammond right there, yep. not giving you any excitement. She's just giving you the bare facts. Coach, thank you for the time. Enjoy your night, and Happy New Year. You too, Ben. Thanks for the call there. And the tee-up, actually. So, so I always like to say, like, like, game recognizes game. Like, you might be surprised to, to find that Becky Hammond was coaching the team. But like, like we just talked about, she's been coaching since August 5th, 2014. The Spurs, under Popovich. So LeBron James was on the court at the time. That's who they were playing against. He said it's a beautiful thing just to hear her barking out calls, barking out sets. She's very passionate about the game. Congrats to her and congrats to our league. And Kyrie Irving, who I never really agree with, his non-basketball takes. I mean, let's we know that already, but this one he was he, he was spot on. He said, there shouldn't be any role that is deemed for male or female. I am grateful to be part of history and Becky to, to make history. And there is more history to be made for women in their empowerment in the workplace as well as across the world. I'm glad, I'm so glad that Pop got ejected and put Becky in the driver's seat. <laughs> that part made me laugh because I am too. Pretty cool. Back to the Giants because it's a Giants potential, Giants playoff uh, implications today. If the Giants, again, win and the Washington football team loses to the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia, in the rain. It's also going to be rainy, snowy here, too. Those things, two things need to happen. The Giants win the NFC East and host the Tampa Bay Bucks, the Tom Brady, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next weekend. Wouldn't that be fun? Dave in West Babylon, you're on the fan. Yeah, hey, Daniel. First off, uh, very happy new year. Have a great uh, 2021 compared to this last icky year. Uh, congratulations to Becky, Becky Hammond. And to be honest with you, I don't ever think of you as a female mm-hmm. radio commentator or mm-hmm. whatever. I just think of you as a great commentator. So there it is. where I'll go with that. Uh, yep. One question. Isn't there a female uh, referee in the NFL now? Yes. I, I think, think there's two okay. of them. I think. There are two now? Okay. So... What I what I have to say, and I'll be I'll be watching out for more more of that kind of thing, as uh, you know, just the off the cut, not necessarily like watching women's tennis or anything like that, but w- where you wouldn't normally see uh, females in, in the past historically. I'm going to be watching for great calls by by female referees in the NFL or in college football, that kind of thing. But Yay. what I what I will say is. You you nailed it right on the head when you you were talking about the slushy icky game because just imagine the Giants win on a recovered football how many times they're going to show that replay of Joe Judge sliding in the mud I know up that football. Uh, Dave see Dave as a coach myself I always try to prepare my teams for anything right. That's what he's right. doing. Can you imagine if you're right? If it ends on something That's like that capital. on a on a recovery yep. like that, I mean, of course it's on turf, but it's different than on the practice field. But my God, right. that would be a suitable ending that too. That would be amazing. It would really be amazing. And what I have to say is, I think the um, the lesson that the Giants have to learn. Yes, you want to win every game, but you have to win your division games. I hope that this year, especially if 
if they win, if they win the Cowboys game mm-hmm. and they don't make the playoffs, that this motivates Evan Ingram to catch the damn ball. Okay, <laughs> catch the ball, and you lost that game for the Eagles, and I hope that sticks in his head and then he gets motivated. But my my question to you is, um, what grade will you give the Giants? A if they win but don't make the playoffs, mm-hmm. or A if they and then B if they lose to the Cowboys. And you have to win your division games. And to lose both of the division first off, it was ticky tack. I thought that they should have won, but they shouldn't have put themselves in a position to have the referees right. take that game away from them if you're gonna argue that. Right. So thanks for the time, Danielle. Again, have a great, great New Year, and I hope to call you very soon. Yeah, Dave, with, with them being in the playoffs. Oh, I hope next week we have a, a playoff phone call from you, Dave. I'm, I'm looking forward yep. to it. Yep. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so, uh, a lot of things there. Uh, two, the first thing we're going to start off with, there are two, I was right, there are two female NFL referees. Sarah Thomas is one, and Shannon Easton is the other. Okay, we just checked on that, just to be sure. Those are the two names, so I was, my original hunch of two was in fact correct there. Um, and then what grades, What his question was, what grades would I assign the Giants? And by the way, I'm in the business of assigning grades. That's my weekly job, uh, my job during the week, I should say. Um, if the Giants defeat the Cowboys but miss the playoffs, I would grade the Giants probably like a B plus because I don't think anybody was expecting them to get that far to begin with. Um. It's hard without saying because because it's hard without seeing the game. I should say because the defense has been playing poorly. Daniel Jones has been playing playing poorly. So I don't know if I want to give him actually a grade right. And maybe I take that B plus back. If the season, let's rephrase that. If the season ended today, like if we were talking about post season, like right now, and the Giants, you know, ended the season in the way in which that they were just playing, I'd probably give it probably like a C, very average, you know. Um, so I, I don't know, and, and I, I appreciate the question, and I will write it down to come back to it next week, but um, I know I, ref- I I always like to directly answer questions. I don't like to, to parlay into anything else like some other people do, but um, right, if you're at, I'm going to rephrase that. If, if the season ended right now, or even at the end of last week, based on how they played over the past couple games, I'd give them a C. Very, very average. And again, though, the best part is the Giants have a Week 17 game coming up. So, um, and again, if you are just unclear, the Giants need to win. See, if Washington loses, the everything's out the window. Okay, that that's first and foremost. But if the Giants win and Washington loses, they clinch the NFC East. How amazing is that? After starting 0-5 and 1-7, and that they could win the NFC East. I mean... Yes, that's how bad the division has been. Yes, there has been tons of quarterback turnover in the division. I mean, Haskins. He, Haskins went from a starting job to cut in like that. Then you got Alex Smith, who, if you watch the documentary, and I did during quarantine, I did watch that. I mean, how could you, one, not be an Alex Smith fan after watching that documentary? What was it on Netflix, I think it was? Or was it ESPN, whatever it was? Um, after watching that documentary, how could you not be a fan of his? Two, I can't believe he's playing football again. And not like like garbage time football. Like, this is meaningful football. If he goes out 
as, as the quarterback of the NFC East champion Washington football team, I, I don't know if I can hate on that. Him. I can't hate on him is what I'm trying to say. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just angering some Giants fans right now, but I don't know. I got a tweet from uh, Brian E. Patterson. He said, you should have told Vernon that if he wins the bet, you get 20%. Why didn't I think of that? Ah, oh, man. Coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, we also have beatboxing. Kevin Hagelin from ooh, Enemy Lines. Dallas is taking on our Madeline Burke hour. You know, the Giants. Madeline Burke um, in the 4 o'clock hour coming up soon. So uh, you guys stay tuned for that. And you guys get to vote along with me, too. And see who is going to be the winner in that. So stay stay tuned. Hang tight. 877-337-6666 is the, t- is the uh, phone number to get in. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Wow, I don't know if I know this song. Emmanuel, I think you got me on this one. No, wait. I'd have finally gotten you. Wait. Oh, is this, this is females, right? Sing this song. What's the name of it? Now I don't know the lyrics. All right, what's the what's the name of the song? Ether. Oh. By Nas. Mm, definitely got me on that one. Stump me. Nas stump me. Damn. You're riding like 99% now. I know. Oh, I missed one field goal like Graham Gano keeps me out of the pro bowl. <laughs> oh man, that that was a big stub anyway. Hey, so we're talking a lot of Giants talk which inevitably is what we were going to be talking about tonight because the Giants have, as you just heard, a chance to make the playoffs, right? Um, Two things have to happen, as we've been talking about all night. But another team that (laughs) their fans are punching tickets to the playoffs, punching tickets to the finals, they're going crazy, are fans of the New York Knicks. And if you look at the Eastern Conference standings, which I have right in front of me right now, there are three teams... The Nets, the Knicks, the Celtics, and the Bucks that are that have five hundred records, three and three. And there's only one, two, three, four, five teams in front of them. In the East, anyway. Tonight, the Knicks took down the Pacers, which they had lost to earlier in the season. They're they're showing improvement. RJ Barrett, twenty-five points. I had it on in the background when I was just finishing up some things tonight. Um, I think if you're a Knicks fan, you're happy about the maturation of R.J. Barrett. I mean, he finally is learning how to hit foul shots. That was my biggest knock on him. I mean, I know he's young, but he he seems like he's really, I don't know what he was doing in the offseason, but it seems like he's really in control, really confident is the word. I know he was coming off of a bad game, the last game out, he rebounded, no pun intended there, but he rebounded with 25 points. That's pretty good. He was four from five, four for five from beyond the arc. It's 80% shooting three-pointers. And the other thing, too, I had a, I had a free bet. I had a $3 free bet that it was going to expire. So I was like, oh, great. What can I put it on? Oh, I'm going to be watching the Knicks tonight. Let me put it on the Knicks game because I'm going to be watching. Okay? So I had my $3 free bet, and I was like looking at point totals and eh. Yeah, I'm looking. Okay, Julius Randle, who has been playing lights out lately. Speaking of, by the way, sidebar here, speaking of coaches unlocking the potential in players, Tom Thibodeau has absolutely unlocked 
Julius Randle. So Jets fans can only hope that if, in fact, they do keep Sam Darnold, the next coach can do that with him as well. Back to the main story. My $3 I put on Julius Randle, <clears throat> excuse me, to hit one, over one and a half. So he needed to hit two three-pointers throughout the entire game. Two, just two. Julius Randle. I didn't think that was such a, a difficult thing. The first quarter ends, and the announcers are like, wow, Julius Randle has exactly zero points. Wow, can you believe it? And I'm sitting there like, are you kidding me? Of course he has zero points because I put my little $3 free bet on him. Okay, through the second quarter, he has two points. And I think finally in the third quarter, he finally hit two threes, and I won $8.25. Woohoo, big deal. But it was just funny because, you know what? Like the Jets, I only won one Jets bet this entire season so far, and it was last week. I knew they were going to beat the, the Browns. I have it again this week. They're going to beat the Patriots. And, um, yeah, it's just, wow, Walt, can you believe it? Julius Randle has zero points so far. I'm sitting there like, of course he has zero points. Of course. Oh, back to the phones. 877-337-6666. Lenny in Fort Lauderdale. You're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Happy New Year. What's up? Happy New Year. Much. I got a few takes. Uh, Julius Randle, yeah, the guy's playing great, but he plays like a bull in a china shop. You know? Well, he's you a know? big dude. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> but I like him. He tries hard. And I, I like him since he was in the league. So I'm glad the Knicks are doing good. Lenny, you know who I've always liked? And, and even when I play on my video games, I used to be on the Knicks, and then I forced my way out of there. Uh, okay. Mitchell Robinson. Mitch- oh, yeah. He had a great block. Tonight. Oh, what was seven of them? I think he had tonight. Seven blocks. That- yeah, and I heard he's the number one blocker. Block shots of three point attempts last year. Yeah, I, I, I believe it because he did it tonight. He basically shut the game down with that block three pointer. Yeah, it was fantastic. I like and him. He's a great RJ player. Barrett, I heard he spent New Year's Eve uh, taking shooting three pointers. Really? Yeah, because he went over ten or something the other night. Yeah. So uh, uh, the they other got, night, they got a good work ethic going on over there. Yeah, and and and, and that's uh, two things. One, uh, none of them hit three pointers the other night. Not they were like oh. 0 for thirty two from behind the arc. Right. And then the other thing is, I I said this in one of my ed- end of the season speeches that it's just I, I was making a joke, but um, it's it's true though. If you if you really look, the the players take on. I don't want to call it the personality, but the players take on, I guess, the personality of their coach. And yeah. this this Knicks team is absolutely embodying, especially what you just said, embodying the Tom Thibodeau whole mantra. Right. Show me effort. And all you got to do is play hard in New York, and the fans will love you. And we haven't seen that in a long time over there. That's one thing. Hey, I enjoyed uh, Vernon's call. Uh, I was at that Met game. When, you uh, were there? Yeah, it was so cool. What? But, but another thing you got to look up is, that guy also tried to fly into a, a heavyweight fight between Evander Holyfield and um, Riddick Bowe. He didn't make it in, and the and the entourage of the two, of the boxing corner beat the crap out of that guy. No way! Oh, you have to see it. It's, it's classic. Wait, classic. was that that was an an outdoor fight? It was an outdoor fight. Well. Well, maybe like in Vegas somewhere, but it was outdoors, yes. I, like you know what? Yeah, I used to watch, well, I interviewed Ray Mancini one time, or Ray Mancini, as I should say, as an oh. Italian. And I actually saw a couple of his fights were outside on the Las Vegas Strip. How cool is yeah. that? Yeah, very cool. But yeah, you have to see what they did to this poor guy. Oh, my God. They beat him up with walkie-talkies. Oh, my God. They pounded him. 
my God. Um, another couple of things I got is um, I once the, once the Jets lost the first pick, you know, I was like, all right, let's go. We'll draft somebody else. But after watching this Joe Fields the other night, I'm like, I want this guy. He reminded me of Russell Wilson, the way he was throwing bombs and tight windows, his toughness. Um, it was just a, an incredible performance by that guy. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, you know, I did too. I, I don't really like to get very high or very low. And really, anybody just at this point in time, I'll give it to him. It was an incredible performance. Six touchdown passes. Right. I mean, I'm just concerned about how often he, he works from the shotgun. I mean, it, working yeah. under center in the NFL is a whole different animal. So, I what don't know. Shotgun, I don't know. Adapt to the playoff. Hey, two more things, quickly. Uh yeah. I believe baseball is the only one without any women umpires, and that you would you would think they would have one. Yeah. And, uh, oh man, I would Angel love to. Martinez, get rid of him and put a woman in. Yeah. Sign me up. Where do I sign up for that? <laughs> <laughs> and the last thing uh, again, Belichick, and all these coaches and players that are just rude when they're getting interviewed after a game. Mm-hmm. I just like to see one one guy who's asking the question saying, "Who are you to to, to talk to us like that?" You know, what What gives you the right to, to be so rude? Yeah. Did, it's, it's so annoying to me, and it's so disrespectful. I know, and, and no one... Nobody knew, questions you. No guys. one's going to, because then they're going to say, okay, there goes your pass, and no one wants to be that person either. You know what I mean? Yeah, but somebody's got to do it to these guys. I know. I, I know. I mean, he'll sit there and he like, ask him a question, like, would, would you have your kid answer a question like this? You know? I know. What kind of example are you? It's horrible to me. So, I don't know. And as far as the Giants go, I, I like to see them pull it out. I like this coach. I like his moxie. He's very good. And um, just keep up the good show. I enjoy it always. And I enjoy the callers. And let's see what happens. I hope Omar calls in tonight. <laughs> I hope so. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lenny, thanks right, for your call. Talk to you next week. Facebook. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, um... You know, we actually had this conversation a month ago on this show. Is like coaches and how, how sometimes how rude they are. And I forget, was it Emmanuel? Was it Nick Saban this week too that he couldn't hear? Oh, and the headphones. It was. Yeah, and he asked the girl, "What? Like what? Like four or five times? I know. Like you mean? What do you mean you can't hear her? And then she asked the question again. He took him off. That she leaned forward and asked the question. Then he put him back on and like he said, "What?" Like, I just had a tough time buying that, regardless of how loud that stadium is, which it that couldn't he actually be. couldn't hear the question. I know, which it couldn't be loud because uh, there's like minimal fans there. And she made a concerted effort to get closer. I know. I know. And they pro- and, and I'm trying to think. When I did Princeton basketball, like we didn't do interviews just like that. But in the post game, they we tested out all the equipment. So there's no way that equipment wasn't functioning. I don't think. That would be wild if if it actually was functioning and he was just playing that off. Well, you know, there's quarterbacks that, that say that, you know, the head it's not working and then they call their own plays. That exists. Doesn't like the line of questioning, maybe. Maybe. Maybe he didn't want to say anything. Maybe he was annoyed. I don't know. But that's that's not right either. It's you know, it's somebody's trying just trying to do their job. That's it. Oh, it's not right whatsoever. But she was composed, totally composed. All right, back to Jersey. My home Jersey, Tony. Tony, mm-hmm. yeah, you're on the fan, Tony. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Then y'all guess what? What? 
celebration time. Come on, Adam Gase is gone after this game. Oh, I don't know. I just want to see it in actual writing from the team. But yes, I'm with you. Not totally yet, though. I know, Tonya. It's just, I don't want to be all in on it and have my hopes crushed. That's all. And Daniel, I want to also say to the Giants fans, good luck to their Giants. And it's going to be a long season for the Knicks. Yeah, I mean, it's they're 18% of the way to their last year's win totals. So, And they're only six games in. I don't think it's going to be that bad. I think, it, I think it's going to be a long season. I mean, especially the way they played on New Year's Eve night. They play like crap. Yeah, well, it'll be inconsistent. But at least it it was exciting, though. You are you watching the games? They're exciting. Of course, I'm watching the game. Yeah, yeah they're exciting. They're very exciting. I didn't say they weren't exciting. I'm just saying it's going to be a long season. That's all. Well, I don't think, and Tony, thanks for the call. I don't think if you're a Knicks fan that you were expecting them to make the playoffs anyway. So I think you, I don't want to phrase it like this, but you kind of take what you can get with the Knicks. Um, you've got. Emmanuel quickly, who I think deserves to be the starting point guard from here on out, but that's just my opinion. Obi Toppin, you know, I've lost track of how many days, but he's still out with injury. Um, Nerland's Noel, I thought was going to be uh, better. He's he's all right. It's just I don't want to say he's good. He's all right. I watched him at times. Earlier, you know, Saturday night, I really focused in on watching him just this past game versus the Pacers. He is very slow. His feet are very slow. So he's forced to defend with his hands. And he gets into trouble that way with foul trouble, et cetera. So he's not very agile. They blow by him. That's kind of the scouting report I got on Nerland's Noel. So I just thought he was going to come in, be a lot better. And in fact, he really hasn't really been great. Julius Randle has been great. Mitchell Robinson has always been one of my favorite Knicks. He, I mean, I think the block shot is like one of the most exciting plays in basketball. It gets you pumped. Just like a block in volleyball. Like, like a, if you don't, if you don't know volleyball, it's like, you know, when you go up to spike the ball, it's called a hit. It's like left, right, left. And you you hit it, spike it. And the other player stands on the other side of the net with their hands up, shoulders squeezed into their ears. And they fan out their hands and they they deflect the ball downward. That's the block. Ba boom! It's so it's so exciting. And I oh every time it happens, I always say to the other coaches, "That's my favorite play." They already know it. They like complete it for me already. But I think the blocks are just so in basketball too. One of the most exciting plays in basketball. And Mitchell Robinson is so great at it. He's so great around the rim. He's so great at alley ooping. Um, you know, on the receiving end of being an, an alley oop pass. Um, he should be somebody that the Knicks are looking to build around. And I think that they are. I'm not positive that they are. But, man, he is a player. And it even goes back to my NBA 2K when I was with the Knicks. Now I have won the championship with the the Dallas Mavericks and Kristaps Porzingis and Luka Doncic. I won the championship, of course. Championship MVP. I'm just dusting off my shoulders here. But even and even in the video game, because they make the video game so lifelike nowadays, and he was always like, I would always serve it up to him at the at the rim. I was a point guard, played when I played in real life, and in the game I was a point guard, and I would just serve it up to him, and he would just slam it down every time. So, I think 
Yeah, well, I'm not sure if it's going to be a long season. I think these Knicks are playing really hard. I mean, I'm looking. Sometimes the weirdest stuff uh, trends on Twitter at this time of night or morning, I should say. Right now, still, Knicks at Pacers is still trending and Tibbs is still trending right now. Hours after the game. So people are getting real excited about this. And I'm just looking through... uh, <laughs> Knox, someone had this this GIF here. Knox shoots an air ball. Thibs calls for a timeout. Also, and it's like the he's got the cane around his neck, yanking him. I mean, I I like it. I mean, I, that's how I coach. I coach very intensely, just like just like he does. Um, I appreciate it. I love that he's in on every play, and and this goes back to the the preseason games. One of them, it wasn't going well. He called a timeout. Right as the half started, the second half started, and whatever happened, then he called the timeout immediately, and he sat them all down. I mean, that's cool. And he got his first technical foul tonight as a head coach, Tom Thibodeau, so that's cool. Volleyball, apparently in high school volleyball, you can get it. You can get a yellow card and a red card. I didn't know. I got served a yellow card. I forget what it was for. Obviously, I was right. I only argue things when I'm right. Obviously, I was right, and uh, I got a yellow card. I didn't even know. There you go. You can get yellow cards in volleyball. Who knew? I didn't. I definitely didn't. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we're going to hit a Mike McCann update at the top of the hour, everybody. Um, we are going to be doing beatbox in the 4 o'clock hour. And, of course, 4 o'clock hour is going to be featuring you. You, beatboxing, and me here on The Fan. I'm Danielle McCartan with you until 6 a.m. Danielle McCartan, Sports Radio 2020 and that's my little PSA for today. Uh, the New York Giants, by the way, could be making the playoffs later today. The New York Jets could be firing their head coach later today. Again, I'm going to tell you, I'm not believing any of the reports until I see it with my own eyes being released by the team. We've got Knicks fans calling up, donning them champions of, of this season. I've just got a tweet from at Bajic Brown. says, uh, Coach McCartan, Julius Randle, MVP. I wrote back, let's not go that far. Maybe Knicks MVP. Maybe. Knicks fans are excited, and they should be. They're allowed to be. Nets fans, though, what's going on? Three and three. You score 145 points in a game and just barely beat the team. I didn't realize that the, the NBA All-Star game was played at the, at the end of December, a couple days ago. I didn't realize that. Because obviously there's no defense in that game either. So the, the the Nets need to take a page out of the Knicks book and, I don't know, maybe play some defense. And as you just heard in the update with Mike McCann, Kevin from Camden just sent me the article too. The Dodgers and DJ LeMahieu. I just hope that that's DJ LeMahieu's way to get the Yankees off their butts and uh, and see what what the deal is. I don't know. I just... I don't. I told you guys. I tell you every week. The longer that the Yankees wait on this, 
the worse off it is for them. Because if someone just comes in there and offers DJ LeMahieu the money, plunk it down, sign on the dotted line, wouldn't you? I think I would. Back to the phones, 877-337-6666. Eric in Ronkonkoma. What's up this week, Eric? Hey, Danielle. Good morning and Happy New Year. I'm sorry I didn't reach out to you last week. but oh, good. Uh, give me a call here. But uh, do you remember the scenario I gave you as far as Adam Gase if they uh, – uh, you were asking what your reaction would be if they held on to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I was saying I'd jump off the Empire State Building and catch my eyelid on the nail, all that stuff. Yes, I remember yeah. that. Yes. So I'll be, I'll be, yeah. <laughs> so I'll be waiting at the top of the building for the actual news press release there that he's gone, so that I don't want to jump. That's uh, that's what I'll be doing uh, after the game. Everybody, he's so just joking. Like you, I believe it when I see it. Everybody, he's just joking. He's really don't send the, the brigade up there. He's just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm scared of heights, actually. So there you go. <laughs> but uh, you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm you know, it's, uh, I will believe it when I see it. I mean, I, I'm sure the the odds are you know a very good play. And you know, being that I deliver newspapers, I'll be seeing about you know 250 copies of it tomorrow morning. You know, when I'm out here, so that uh, yeah, that'll be a plus also. But uh, but I mean, look, you know, the, right right now, my main focus is is you know making sure that beyond today that they you know put together a uh, you know a good structure. That's really what the the big issue is because you know, you can't have no, no matter who comes in on it. It's got to be um, you know make sure that the coach reports to the GM yes. and then the GM reports to the owner and and the Johnsons have to be on board with that because I'm not sure how much of you know their you know wisdom so to speak you know uh, laid into the fact that they had two separate people speaking to them I mean they gotta they gotta be part of this ideal structure as well yeah, it's so, gotta be linear uh, it, it, it's so right. erratic that it just has to be linear and that's the way it has to be Right, and I, and I don't know what the plans are, you know, if and when Woody's coming back on there, you know, so that, so that might, you know, have a play in the in the, in the way things get done mm-hmm. going forward. But either way, it's it's got to start, and and uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen as far as Donald, uh, if anything. But you know, the, the main thing is they got to, you know, use these draft picks, you know, wisely. They got to use whatever cap space they have wisely, and they could really make a leap forward. Uh, you know, better than a lot of people think. I mean, I, I don't expect the, you know, worst the first kind of scenario, but I mean, you know, the, I want to see progress. That, that, that's really what, uh, what what it is. So let's, yeah, and baby you know, steps. Let's I see where it is. I get it. Finish on a good note, Eric. It would now progress for the Jets. Would that? What would that look like? Would that look like over five hundred? Would that look like a playoff berth? What would it look like? Well, yeah, you know, it, it's it's hard it's hard to say. I mean, to, to say, I mean, because we don't know what the playoff structure is going to look like next year. They may, uh, you know, keep the same format as this year with the extra wild cards mm-hmm. and stuff. So that, that's kind of hard to say. Uh, I mean, if I, I certainly want to see uh, at 500, if not better, uh, I also want to see uh, uh, plays being done properly. As a, I'm so sick and tired of seeing time management issues or lack of adjustments after halftime, stuff like that. I, I'm, I'm because it just shows that uh, they're not paying attention or doing their job, or yeah, or draw draw plays on third and thirteen right. halfback draw. Come right. on, yeah. right? I mean, I mean, you have players on this team. You got Beckton. You got uh, uh, you know Mims. Uh, you know, I mean, you have 
I don't know what the uh, what the running back situation is going to be going forward, yeah. but I, I mean, you could potentially shore up that offensive line uh, with, with a pick and, may, and maybe really build something edge you of know, some kind of pass rush. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it, it's got to look like something starting to form. Uh, it may take at least a year, but I mean, you, you could you could tell when things are starting to turn around. I mean, even look, look at the Giants. Yes, I mean the record is not great. I mean, we we can all be honest with that, but I mean, it certainly looks like they're building something. Yep, so agreed. I, I want to have that outlook with the Jets. So, and one one, and I'll leave it with this: one of these days, I got to get you on the bowling alley. I'm curious to see how competitive you are. <laughs> oh, so. uh, there has to be bumpers. I, I just I talked about that with my trainer just the oh, other day. Bumpers, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not good at bowling. I'm really not good at bowling. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just telling my trainer the other day. I was like. Um, listen, I don't, I try not because we were trying to do deadlifts and I can't get the motion down for deadlifts. And I was like, listen, I'm getting a little frustrated here and I don't do things that I'm not good at. So I don't do mini golf, as you guys all know. And I also don't go bowling without yeah, bumpers. Story. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and I also don't go bowling without bumpers either. So uh-huh. there's that. Okay. Well, all right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll set it for the alternating way. You get the bumpers. I don't get the bumpers okay. and, and we'll see where it goes. Fine. Now. Deal. All right. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy the last uh, regular season uh, day of football, there, Danielle. I'll talk to you. All right. Talk to you next week, Eric. Appreciate the call. Yeah, bumpers are a must for me. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not ashamed to say. And then she said, she also said to me, she's like, "Did you, did you realize that we used to shove our fingers in these bowling balls that like other people used to? That's so gross. Like, I'll never do that again." And I was like, "You know what? You got a good point there." Got a good point there. So I just started with her for two weeks. I've been going there twice a week. Um, and I can't do the deadlift motion. I can't do it. I get frustrated. Ugh. I told her I was going to look it up on YouTube and practice, but I haven't had a chance to. And, um, you know, today being January 3rd, I just wanted to just mention this because I was thinking back to last year and, you know, how the Giants hired their coach and the Cowboys hired their coach. Obviously, they're both playing today. Joe Judge was hired on January 8th of 2020 and Mike McCarthy was hired on January 7th of 2020. I don't know. To me, it just sounds very soon. If the jets were to make a move on January 7th or 8th of this year, I just, I don't know. It's just kind of a thought that popped into my mind. Let's go Mike in West Palm beach. Mike, you're on the fan coach in the house. Happy new year. Happy new year, Mike. Uh, good show as usual. Um, I was laughing with the bumpers, um, (laughs) Guy from Rockpokemon, big Islander fan. You know, um, I was going to say when I used to watch the Jets at uh, Hofstra, mm-hmm. uh, forty years. You know, since I'm a kid, um, the Coliseum is right next door. I was at the game, uh, red, uh, red, white, and blue basketball, '76 trombones, 1976. I was at that game championship with Dr. J, Rick Barry. Um, so a lot of great games over there, basketball. Um, uh, fantastic. You know, um, Daniel, you mentioned Princeton before. Did you, uh, do you do games for Princeton or? So I, um, I used to, um, before I, right before I started here, I would go every weekend down to Princeton and I would do sideline reporting. And then I did it for two years. And then the second season it was acquired by ESPN plus so that they didn't have like time in the broadcast for a, a sideline reporter. So then I was doing like fill in color commentary for Princeton women's basketball. So oh, okay. I, I got to see Bella Allery play for a couple years. She went fifth overall in the WNBA draft. So 
Um, Coach Courtney Banghart is one of the best coaches I've ever seen in my entire life. She will be an cool. NBA coach one day. She will, I guarantee it. But yeah, I enjoyed my time there. It was a, it was a top notch program there for sure. Oh yeah, I got to give a shout out to one of my classmates. He went to Princeton and he played basketball. Peter Malloy, um, class act for Pete Carrill. He graduated seventy six. You know Pete Carrill, right? You know part of yeah. this they have a, an alumni day. Uh, they yeah. so. I was talking to a bunch of the old, uh, older alumni and alumnus alumni. They were saying how um, Pete Carrill, you know, his name's on the court and everything, but Pete Carrill never gave the women's team practice time is what they told me on air. So this is all documented. Oh, really? Yeah. He, he would like do his best not to give the women the court to practice, which I don't like, as you can imagine. No, definitely. Definitely not. Um, I read a piece years ago where Pete Carrill, there was a, um, there was a banner you know, on the roof. And then they put his name on the court and yeah. he said, first, uh, his quote was first, they, uh, they put me up in the, the air. Now they're stepping all over my name. <laughs> yeah. That was recently. But, they put it on the floor. I want to say, I think I was there for that when they put his name on the floor. Oh, cool. Cool. So. Um, you know, so many things to talk about. I always try to make it quick cause you got people on deck, but there are people that, that go for 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> great story. I was thinking about you and Kim Jones. When Popovich got kicked out of the game the mm -hmm. first time ever, yep, a coach in the NBA, female coach. That that's that's good stuff. Becky you know? Hammond, yeah, yeah. And I even saw on Long Island um, LPGA a few times. They played at a course. Um, it was started, I think, in 1898. Um, wow. I watched. Yeah, I watched uh, seniors a few times, but I did watch the LPGA. Um, so many uh, good things, and I'm glad I touched base with you on Facebook. I was just on Facebook and social media for the first time like four days ago. Yay. And I said, let, let me see if Danielle's there. There she is. I said, let, let me say hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'll tell you, um, longtime Jet fan, and I just heard the update before that uh, I guess – I guess Gase, they have a plank ready for him. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's going to get wet. Um, and who knows, with, with the draft pick, you know, uh, are they going to stick with Sam Donald? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a roll of the dice pretty much. Um, well, it's going to be up to the new head coach. That's a definite. So exactly depends on who it is, I guess. Yeah. And uh, the GM, I forget his name, Joe. Um, Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas. You know, and no matter what the sport is, the GM has to be in control. He's got to navigate and, and put everything in place. Right. And uh, it's going to take a while, like it always does. Uh, with the green and white jets, they've always said, expect the unexpected, because uh, <laughs> that's just the way things go. Um, and what else? Uh, oh, I touched base with Ralph. He's feeling better. Good. I, I said, if you get up early, uh, touch base with Danielle, because I'm sure she'd uh, enjoy listening uh, to you and hearing from you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, all right, Danielle, I'll, uh, I'll put an end to my conversation this morning. Um, you got game behind the microphone, and you got mojo behind the microphone, and you're going places in the world of sports. And when you do, uh, I'll give you a round of applause. You know, that's just me, because... Uh, uh, I enjoy the work that you do. And mojo is a magic word, Danielle, and you got it. <laughs> Mike, thanks for the call. I'll talk to you next week. Hopefully the New York Giants are playing in the playoffs there. That makes me laugh every time. Every time he says that, it just makes me laugh. Um, 
I'm just kind of scrolling through the channels here. I, oh, I'm going to land on NFL Network. That's good. I was watching college playoff games, uh, college bowl games again. There's just too many bowl games. College, there's just, you know what I really liked today? Manual. I was watching the football games today, and I was watching the Outback Bowl, and I saw whoever it was. I had it on mute because I was actually doing some work, but I saw the the guy with the microphone, whoever it was, the sideline reporter, he was eating a blooming onion right there on TV, a whole blooming onion. And I was like, oh, my God, what could I do to have a blooming onion right now? So I saw Bill Roth, who was doing the play-by-play with his prep in the hours leading up to the game. He had a blooming onion to his right, which, I mean, you know, it's phenomenal. It's probably a top five appetizer in America. Uh, number one for me, definitely. I agree, number one. But I'm doing top five just to be kind to other appetizers. <laughs> no, we can have that argument. Um, no, I, I mean, oh, I'm like hungry right now. I'm like, I'm actually going to eat my little bites right now, but my God, the, the blooming onion bowl. So anyway, so it's just, there's just so many different bowl games that it's just, it's hard to keep track of. I don't know. And maybe that's just me. I know college football fans are probably like wanting to throw me out the window of their, their cars right now, but it is what it is. That's what I think. I think it's just too much. And so, um, with that being said, we will have beatboxing at 440, everybody. That is a very popular segment, apparently, on my show, which is great. I'm glad you guys enjoy it. So we will have a reporter, well, uh, the midday host from uh, the Dallas uh, Intercom affiliate. His name is Kevin uh, Hagland. He's taken on Madeline Burke, who was the incumbent champion from last week's when she defeated Jason LaConfora last week. And by the way, really quickly, I know we have to hit the break, but... Really quickly, he emailed me on like Tuesday or Wednesday. He, by the way, Jason LaConfora wants a recount. He no, he, he wants he he word used the word demand. He demands a recount since he nailed the score directly. He demands a recount on that whole beatboxing. So I'm not giving it to him. Madeline said I, I texted her. She said, "Well, I mean that's pretty good." She said she might consider it. I don't think so. She's the unanimous winner. That's it. I think she was just being nice. All right, everybody, so we have to hit the break. More of your calls after the break, 877-337-6666. Don't forget, beatboxing at 430. I mean, 440, I'm saying. I'm Daniel McCartan on the fan. Oh, I know this song. They call me Big Meech, Larry Hoover. <laughs> Manuel, you, you're like the R&B hip-hop guy. Is that like your genre, or is that just what's in the computer? It's funny. I don't have a genre, so this computer folder, very R&B heavy, like you said, yeah. but... Whenever someone asks my genre, I say everything. Me too. I say everything too, except for like metal. I don't really dig metal, but. I couldn't do metal. Everything but else anything much. popular, anything that's on the radio and really popular, I end up accumulating everything over time. Yeah, see? There you go. Um, and just, uh, you guys, popular right now is a video with 1.3 million views. I told you the weirdest things trend at this time. And the Knicks at Pacers is still trending, by the way. Um. Two things. Um, there is a video of Chris Hemsworth boxing. Like, actually looks good boxing. Like, good. Bo- he, he doesn't have his hands in front of his face, but he's just doing, like, rapid fire with a trainer. Looks good. Looks like he's pandering for a match. And guess what? Logan Paul, who um, knocked out Nate Robinson in that uh, scary knockout, actually. Logan Paul retweeted the video, and he said, I'll fight him after I fight Mayweather. I don't really want to give any more attention to Logan Paul. I just I just can't wait for Floyd Mayweather if, in fact, he does want to fight him. I can't wait for Mayweather to knock him out. This Logan Paul, I can't. I can't with him. 
I can't with him. All right, let's go back to the phones. 877-337-6666. Again, we have beatboxing at 440, just so you know. So you might want to dial that phone right now. George in Yorktown. You are on the fan. Hey, hey Dan, how are you? Good, how are you? Um, good. I was in a bowling league one time. It was like a prison sentence. It went on for like <laughs> nine months. It was horrible. But uh, And I ain't too good a bowl. I think I was there for the drinking. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm there for the French fries when I when I go. That's right. usually... <laughs> but... Um, you know, I think this whole COVID thing has brought on a, uh, you know, teams just, especially like in basketball, of just don't worry about what the record is. Let's just get in. You know, we're nowhere. I think you saw that with the Lakers. We know we're good enough. doesn't really matter if we finish first, you know, and just get in. And I date myself back to the years when, you know, in baseball, teams won 100 games and didn't get in the playoffs. Uh-huh. You know, I like the format they had this year because, as an Oriole fan, with a week to go in the season, we were still in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? but uh, And I think they're going to keep that baseball. If they're smart, going into next year, they'd probably keep that format. But the, I think it kept a, a lot of interest yeah. uh, in the league. But, um, you know, I just think, you know, there's not the emphasis. The more is the emphasis of let's keep guys healthy till we when we really need them, and then we'll – and then we'll – Play like we're supposed to play. Yeah, are you alluding to what the the Nets did the other night about resting uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in the same game and losing the game? Yeah, well, that 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 too, and I I, I think I'd be very you know hear people calling up say they'd be very upset if they paid you know with ticket prices the way they are today. Right, you paid a thousand dollars to sit at the Garden, and those two guys don't play, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, and that's why I'm a big fan of of college, Bama University, Miami fan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I couldn't tell you five guys' names on the team. And I went there when uh, Pozar was there mm. and Tessa Verde. But uh, I, I root for the team. I don't root for the guys. Right. You know, and, and, and that's what I enjoy about uh, college football, college basketball. I'm not a big fan of NBA basketball, but I love college basketball. I love that it's two hours and it's over. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I know. You know, and they, and, they, and they seem to try a lot, a, a lot harder. Yeah, George, it's a good point and two good points there. I I guess it depends on which NBA team you're watching because when you watch the Knicks, they're trying pretty hard. When you watch the Nets, conversely, it's, you know, it's just I look at offensive rebounds with this Nets team. They're really not occurring. I look at fundamental basketball like boxing out on this Nets team. It doesn't really occur. It doesn't really occur in much of the NBA. Um I, it's just this whole de-emphasis on the regular season is something that is going to be debated for ages. Uh, you know, this is like the, the evergreen debate, um, especially with fans in attendance, like you said. I, okay, I could see both sides of it. I mean, this is a bigger argument, but I could see both sides of it. As a player, you want your rest because you want to be able to continue to earn your paychecks, your big paychecks, your multi-million dollar paychecks. Uh, tens of million dollars and hundreds of millions of dollars in some cases. And you want to be able to extend your career, elongate your career as, you know, as long as possible. Then again, you look at guys like Eli Manning who never missed a game and played a long career. Um, and then I can see this, the fan perspective of it. Like I just paid a thousand dollars. Like you said, I paid a thousand dollars to sit right here behind the bench at the garden. And let's just say I'm, I'm a huge fan of LeBron James and he's not even playing in this game. He's not my hometown team. I bought this ticket to see him, and he's not playing. 
that I would be annoyed. I would be pretty mad, actually. So I get both sides of it. I don't know what the correct answer is, but I think the cause of it is these exorbitant, exorbitant is the word, I guess, contracts. That's the same reason why I don't want a DH in the NL. The pitchers make so much money that why would you put them in a position where they could potentially hurt themselves for a long-term or even career-ending? putting a bat in their hands. They are, their bodies are not trained to swing a bat. I've had former Yankees pitchers tell me that. Jeff Nelson, John Wetland, they're all on my YouTube channel. You can go find them. Um, so pitchers' bodies are not trained for it. And in running the bases, I mean, what a liability they are in running the bases. I mean, forget about it. So DH, NL, AL, get it done, both. Uh, Frank in Valley Stream. Frank, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. What's hey, up? Hey, Danielle. How you doing? I'm How good. How are you? Yeah. Happy New Year. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. What happens if they arrest the guy and he winds up in a strip club, though? Oh, well, that's to James Harden. I don't know. And then, then I'd be pretty mad. <laughs> then you'd really be mad. Um, uh, just just a quick thing. Um, I heard you talking about that they hired the two guys right after the season was over the 7th and the 8th. You know, I, my, one of my questions always was, is you know, I know you praised Gettleman last week. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, his job is looking better and better as we're going a little further mm-hmm. in his you know, career. In the beginning, we thought that really he wasn't any good, but now we're starting to see that he's starting to make some good moves. But my question is, is they were ready to hire the Carolina coach. Yes. It looked like it was sealed. And I remember, like, all of a sudden, like, I'm walking and I'm hearing Joe Judge, and he came, like, out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody even knew who he was. Mm-hmm. There was a whole bunch of candidates for this job and Joe Judge and I was like who the hell is Joe Judge I said the but same thing here, yeah. uh-huh. here, here he is and we love him I mean he looks like the you know the right guy and this and that and the other thing my question is is how much influence do you think a guy like Gettleman had on that that it was such a quick turnaround and my second question to you would be of the two rookie tackles the Jet guy and the Giant guy did the Giants pick the right guy mm. Uh, okay, Frank, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang, hang up so you can hear the answer here so you don't get cut off. Um, thanks for the call. Two good questions. But the first question was, um, yeah, this is something I've wondered out loud um, here on the radio. Uh, your first question, how much of a say did Dave Gettleman have in Joe Judge? Because you're right. It, he sort of kind of came out of nowhere, and you're like, oh, Joe Judge, huh? Okay, I will see what he's about. All right, okay. Either he blew the doors off the interview, which he probably did, and Dave Gettleman must have been like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I wasn't in the room. Really, nobody was except for the parties involved. So I'd like to think he had a say, obviously. Um, I don't know how much of a say. But you'd have to think that it was pretty significant, in my opinion, anyway. Um, I don't know if they even – I don't think they even like um, were in each other's circles at any point in their careers. I don't think so. Which makes me think that Joe Judge just absolutely blew the doors off the interview. Um, so that's kind of the first question. I wish I had a better answer, but again, I'm, I'm not in the room. I'm not a Mara. I'm not a Tish. I'm not a Gettleman, nor am I a judge. So there's that. And then out of the two offensive linemen, I mean, I think it's – if it's one, I think it's too soon to judge them, both of them. Uh, but if I had to pick one right now, I mean, Mekhi Becton. See, my concern with Makai Becton was the fact that he was just so large for an offensive lineman that 
I had concerns about his knees and his health, and that's why I was concerned about him. I did. I went back actually, and I looked at my my draft uh, boards when I do my deep dive into the draft. I had Tristan Wirfs as number one. I had Mackay Becton two, and I had Andrew Thomas three. I'm trying to think. There was a fourth one. I can't remember his name, um, but. That was kind of my order there. And still, I'm still sticking to my guns here in Mackay Becton. And look, he's a mountain. I mean, all you have to do is literally run a play behind him. And he, all I had to see, you know what? All I had to see to make this decision was when the Jets played the Rams. Mackay Becton took, we can all agree, Aaron Donald is, you know, one of the best, if not the best, pass rusher. And, and, the, funny that the Rams are on the TV right now. Rams Cardinals is on the TV right now. He is one of the best pass rushers, most disruptive pass rushers in this entire league, right? We can all agree on that. I think whatever fan you are, if not the best top three, top four, five, maybe I would, I would put him top three. Anyway, when Mackay Becton literally took him with one arm, kind of swiped him to the ground on a, on a blocking scheme, one armed him to the ground. He one he looked small, two he looked feeble. I mean that's all you really need to know. Run the ball behind Mackay Becton. I don't know why the Jets haven't really uh, thought about that so often as they should. But here we are with Adam Guru as the head coach. Maybe not for much longer. But um. Also, too, you have Andrew Thomas who had some mechanical issues early in the season. I mean, you had, I saw an interview with his high school, his, uh, I think it was his collegiate coach from college, and he was like, I don't know what he's doing out there. That's, that's not him. That's not him. I didn't coach him to do that. And then all of a sudden, you get Mark Colombo in there. He was playing better, he was playing fundamentally sound. He wasn't leaving his uh, – what was happening was he was leaving his his foot up in the air as the defender was coming around the edge. And, of course, you're going to get blown up every time. So he focused on keeping both feet on the ground as the rusher's coming around the end and just some other fundamental things, and he played better. And then Mark Colombo and Joe Judge had that falling out. We'll put it that way. They had a falling out. And then it's just kind of like gone downhill again from there. The, the offensive play hasn't been good, and not just on Andrew Thomas, just on all of them. So, yeah, coaching matters. And so my final decision on this right now, which I think is too soon. These guys haven't really developed yet. They didn't really have an off-season program. They didn't have any preseason games, so they're literally learning on the fly, these guys. But if you had to ask me right now, my answer is going to be Mackay Becton, for sure. And I'd like to get into sometime tonight, and maybe we have to, we can wait for it. But talk about coaching. Talk about polarizing figure. Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez had a pretty revealing interview, um, with Marley Rivera. And there were a lot of things I took away from that interview. And of course, we're going to get to your New York Jets. New England Patriots preview where the Jets are three-point underdogs. Do you believe that? 
And 40% of the entire Patriots roster is listed on the injury report for non-COVID reasons, believe it or not. So I think the Jets look pretty good to go. I'll give you my my pick in that um, starting at 5 o'clock, actually, because right now, coming up, is the, the hotly debated, no, that's not the right phrase, the, uh, the, antis- the hotly anticipated, hotly anticipated beatboxing, which is a great segment, in my opinion. You guys seem to like it. I'll tweet out my scorecard as soon as it is over. I'm about to throw up a poll right now. So as you guys are listening, you go to navigate yourself to at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter so you guys can get ready to cast your vote, your live vote for beatboxing. And you guys are going to help me crown a winner coming up next on The Fan. Y'all ready for this? Welcome to Beatboxing, where beat reporters from each team square off inside your listening device. Let's meet this week's contenders. Representing the Dallas Cowboys is Kevin Hagelin, midday radio host at 105.3 The Fan, our WFAN sister station down there in Dallas. I like the way you work no And repping the Giants this week is Madeline Burke, returning champion, ready to defend her belt, and she is the TV host for the New York Football Giants and a reporter for Sports Illustrated. We're going to ease into this. Round one, my favorite question is emojis. So, Madeline, we'll start with you, the the reigning champion. Choose and explain one emoji to explain your team at this very moment in time, week 17. The one emoji I'm going to go with this week, and I kind of waffled a little bit back and forth on this one, but I settled on the man running emoji. Because, number one, the Giants need to run into this game with a lot of energy, but they also need to get the run game going. And Daniel Jones needs to be mobile. We heard him earlier this week kind of flirting with the idea of, hey, you know what, I'm going to play from the pocket until I'm fully healthy. But I don't know, that could be a little gamesmanship, or maybe he was a little too candid. But the Cowboys have the last place run defense in the NFL, allowing five yards per carry, 161 yards per game on the season. The Giants need to get that run game going to put some life, breathe some life into their offense so yeah, you know the little running man? Let's get it going. For me, the Cowboys, it's not only representative of their team, it's representative of the fan base. It's the Homer Simpson coming out of the bushes. Now, I know what everyone likes to do with that is they like to roll it back, and then you walk back into the bushes. But you would be astonished over the last three to four weeks how many Cowboys fans who had been disappeared, bunkered up, if you will, they have come back out of the bushes, much like this team has come back out of oblivion and decided, you know what, let's make the playoffs out of this crappy division. Let's go round two. First year with a new team head coaches and Mike McCarthy in Dallas and Joe Judge is a first time head coach here in New York. And reflecting upon the products that they both put on the field, neither coach with a winning record. Let's establish that each in their respective situation. Let's start with you, Kevin. Which coach has a stronger footing in terms of staying power? It's probably Mike McCarthy in terms of staying power, because we've talked with Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones, and it might not be legitimate staying power, but staying power in that neither one of them want to get rid of Mike McCarthy. And we asked them about that. And both of them said the prospect of Mike McCarthy getting rid of anytime soon is preposterous. So I don't know how confident everybody is in the stability of Joe Judge. He's probably done a better job than Mike McCarthy this year. But from talking to the people who make the actual decisions, there is no way in hell they're going to get rid of Mike McCarthy anytime soon. So I say him. 
Well, I've got to say the fact that the question has even been posed to Mike McCarthy, it gives the edge to Joe Judge right there. I mean, both of these guys have had some rough seasons so far, but nobody's even asked the question, hey, is Joe Judge on his way out? And I saw earlier this year, you know, Mike McCarthy, there was a rumor he might have lost the locker room. Cowboys have obviously turned it around, but the Giants, one of the things that Joe Judge has instilled in this Giants team is something that's not quite tangible. Yes, the record isn't, you know, above 500 quite yet, but two-time Super Bowl winner Lawrence Tynes, he recently tweeted saying, you know what, Joe Judge has done something that doesn't show in the stat sheet. He's changed the culture, and that shouldn't be minimized. Two prior coaches tried and failed. And Tyne said, you know what, I'm optimistic for the first time in a while with the Giants. He says he's not a fan of the current offensive system, but he sees that the Giants are on the way up. May I challenge in terms of he's changed the culture so much that a coach called him a word I will not repeat here and threatened to beat him down and he had to send him out the door. That's a lot of hearsay is what I'm gonna say because we were not in that room and we do not know what led up to that moment. I may or may not have a pretty good contact with one of the people who was in that room and they tell a pretty compelling story as to how it went down. Well, I will Here's not report that, but I know you're a very talented reporter, so I'm not going to question your sources there. But what I will say is one of the things that is tangible that you feel in that building is that Joe Judge has made this organization feel like a winning organization once again. And as you know, when you're around an organization, a lot of the winning is not so much about the product on the field, but it's about the mentality. And if you look at yourselves as a team that should win, Versus if you look at yourself as a team that is used to losing. Round three, Jason Garrett. Speaking of coaches, we all know the crossover storyline with him. So let's assign a letter grade to Jason Garrett in his first season as Giants offensive coordinator. And we'll start with you, Madeline. I'm going to go B minus. I think that the offense obviously has struggled. That's largely due to the fact that, you know, they lost their star running back early on this season. They've had no preseason. So they're adjusting to this new offense and implementing it, which happened to be done in games that actually count. I uh, didn't have the benefit of a preseason to kind of adjust and, and learn how to not only for the players to play his offense, but for Garrett to learn how to kind of formulate his offense around these players. And, you know, Daniel Jones, once again, has been dealing with injuries. The Giants don't have a clear number one receiver. The team needs more offensive talent to execute Garrett's system effectively. But that being said, he could see more success by adjusting for the strengths of the players. This team does have a bit more. I think he's getting creative and, and coming up with some new ways to use these tools, but they haven't quite found a comfort level that is consistent just yet. Kevin, your familiarity with Jason Garrett, obviously. Let's lean on you. Uh, what would you grade him? If I was childish, which I kind of am, I would say a D for dreadfully boring, but I really do think a D is probably fair as well, and not for the Barkley reasons. Well, first of all, there's only one team in the league that scored less points than the Giants, and you know that's right down the street with the Jets, and they've been the laughing stock of the NFL all year. Instead, I choose to focus on Daniel Jones. Fake narrative out there that Jason Garrett had something to do with Dak Prescott's emergence, and it was not him. It was their old quarterbacks coach. It was Mark Sanchez getting in the mix. And now the fact that Daniel Jones is even being questioned whether or not he's the future there shows yet again that Jason Garrett failed to make a difference with the quarterback. I'm going to give him a D. 
Wow, that's a big disparity. <laughs> okay. How many is he greater? <laughs> Let's go round four. Injured star players we were just talking about. In the grand scheme of running an effective, efficient offense, does Dallas miss Dak more or does New York miss Saquon more? Kevin, we'll start with you. I'm going to say Saquon here. I, my answer could have been different about a month ago. It really could have. But what you've seen over the last three to four weeks is the primary strength of this Dallas Cowboys team was going to be their offensive line offensive line got torn apart. What's the next strength of this team? It's the wide receivers, all right? You've got three top-notch, either currently or potential number one wide receivers with Cooper, Gallup, and Lamb. And what you've seen in the last three weeks is that ball being thrown all around the yard. And I'm not saying there's not a drop-off from Dak to Andy Dalton. There definitely is. But you have seen that offense clicking the last month or so because the quarterback play is working. I don't know you can still say the same about New York. Yeah, I'm going to agree. Saquon for sure is is the bigger one, especially Andy Dalton. Like you said, he's stepped up for Dallas and he's playing like the starting quarterback that he once was, especially last week. Uh, he's getting more and more comfortable. He's developing chemistry with those wide receivers. And while Wayne Gallman for the Giants has emerged in the best season of his career, not having a threat of a big play guy like Saquon really changes everything in this offense. And yeah, you know what? He had a slow start to this season in the games that he did play, but that was as this entire team was adjusting and learning how to play together. Once things got going, once they got that run game going, it was Wayne Gallman in there who was benefiting from it. But Saquon Barkley is a guy who's coming off over a thousand yards rushing in each of his first two seasons, including the 2019 season in which he missed three games due to injury. So this guy is not somebody you can just replace by committee. Round five, key matchup. Madeline, we'll start with you. For your team, for the Giants who went on Sunday, what would be your key matchup to keep an eye on? You know, this was a tough one because I was going to go with the Dallas Cowboys passing game against the Giants defensive backs, like Kevin mentioned. You know, the ball's being thrown all around the yard and the offense has been clicking. And then I looked at it and I said, you know what? That run defense, Giants run defense has been strong. They're coming in shaky. They gave up over six yards per carry to Baltimore and Zeke's coming off his second hundred yard game of the year. Pollard's also a threat. So I'm just going to go the Giants defense versus the Cowboys offense is the matchup because the Giants defense defense needs to slow down this Cowboys team. When they met earlier this season, 37-34, was the highest scoring game the Giants have played all year. The defense really needs to lock in and show the backbone of this team that they are. Get the Cowboys off the field, get the Giants offense back on the field, and hopefully the offense will do their job this week. Kevin, for the Cowboys to win on Sunday, what is your key matchup to keep an eye on? I'm going to stick with the concept of defense and flip the script, specifically the Cowboys run defense against the Giants. And it comes down to Demarcus Lawrence. Demarcus Lawrence is the guy that you need rushing quarterback. However, he's probably your best run stopper. That is not normally what you want one player to have to be all of those things, yet there's a reason that the Cowboys are the worst in the league at stopping the run. If the Cowboys can be average or even close to average at stopping the run, I think they can win this game emphatically on Sunday. Round six, the game outcome. We'll start with you, Kevin. The Giants are two and a half point underdogs. Obviously, depends on where you look. We can still see some fluctuation in that. So who wins this game and how does it play out, Kevin? Let's go ahead and agree on one thing. There's no way this game can be anywhere near as dramatically interesting as the last one, seeing as how it took an injured Dak Prescott and a come-from-behind insanity from Andy Dalton to win the game. I'm going to go Cowboys 27-17 because this is a Cowboys team that has trended two ways. They've trended up 
offensively and they have trended better defensively. I'm not going to say up, that's probably too much, but they have gotten better defensively. And that's why I think average from the run defense is something you can expect. Factor in that all of their primary defensive backs should be ready to go on Sunday and a surging offense. And I think that gives them a comfortable-ish victory. Madeline, are you picking the Giants this week again? Are you flipping to the Cowboys? I have to. I have to pick the Giants because I cannot pick the Cowboys if they, if for some reason the Giants pull this off. I mean, I, I will admit, Cowboys are playing their best football and you want to go into the postseason if you get to the postseason playing your best football. And the Giants have been struggling lately. But this is a matchup and this is an opportunity and this team is inspired to turn things around. And it's like Kevin mentioned too, the, the run defense has been struggling. Daniel Jones is getting healthy and I would not be surprised to see that man rip off a couple 30-yard runs against this team. I think it's going to be a little little bit closer than anyone is expecting and I think it's one of those games that you're going to watch and you're going to say this is why they play the game you think you know how it's all going to go and then suddenly come with a plot twist and this defense makes a couple of huge plays and it's a whole new ball game my final score prediction I'm going to say it's going to be not as high as Kevin's I'm going to say 17-14 Giants by the way Jason Lockenfora last week nailed the final score exactly (laughs) I'm still very lost I'm still very, I, I, he lost, but I feel like it's now it's like a co-winner just because of that. I will share my trophy. <laughs> All right. And finally round seven, let's take the focus off of this game that we're uh, arguing about right now. Both of your teams need a win plus help in Sunday night football to win the NFC East and make the playoffs. So let me flip the script a little bit. Who has a better chance to pull out a W down there? Is it the Eagles or is it the Washington football team, Madeline? I'm going to go with the Eagles. Washington doesn't do well against running quarterbacks. Eagles have said they expect to give Boston Scott a little bit more time on the field. You know, they want to evaluate some other guys now that they know they're out. But we Giants fans know what Boston Scott can do, especially against a defense that doesn't do great against that. I think that there's a lot up in the air for a Washington team that has been very inconsistent this year. They do have a great pass rush, but... I just think that that's the way the story is going to go, that it's going to be the the way that the NFC East has panned out this year and has been so up and down and the bottom of the barrel. Of course, the division winner is going to be decided by a, wah, wah, oh, oh yeah, they won the division like seven hours ago today. So it's just on brand for the way that this is going this year. And I'm just going Eagles. Kevin, who has a better chance of winning? Is it the Eagles or is it the Washington football team? I hope Madeline is right. I really, really do. Unfortunately, I think Washington is going to win. You go back last week, Dallas, Philadelphia. This was a playoff game. Philadelphia straight up did big bag of nothing out there. They got squashed by Dallas. And if it was going to be Heineke, I would feel better. Alex Smith has been working two years to get back to this point. And given how hard he's working and sewn up comeback player of the year, I think he gets out there and wins and gets them in the playoffs. Although again, I hope Madeline is right about that part. And I'm right about the Cowboys winning because that would put them in the playoffs. But I say the Washingtons. Let me total this up here. Round one went to Madeline because I loved how you talked about And this is a big question. Is Joe Judge taking a page out of Bill Belichick's book when he talks about gamesmanship or candidness of Daniel Jones playing? So that round went to you, Madeline. Round two went to you, Kevin, with that. That was a good challenge. I got to give it to you. It was a little uncomfortable, but it was a good challenge. (laughs) Uh, So 1-1. Then round three went to you, Kevin. D for dreadfully, and I wrote funny with your D for dreadful. (laughs) Four also went to you, Kevin. I liked how you went through the strength, uh, team strength progression. Um, starting with the inside out there. Round five actually went to Kevin too. 
not only getting your butt kicked so far, but I think if the Cowboys do, in fact, just look at average in stopping the run, I think this is a, a, a tough game for the Giants. Madeline, round six went to you, uh, and I, I appreciated the candor of entering the playoffs playing the best football is what you said, because the Cowboys are and the Giants really aren't, but the round went to you for your, your candor there. And then so finally, round seven went to you, Kevin, because mentioning Alex Smith, I think, is the unanimous comeback player of the year, obviously. I think we can all agree upon that. And wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice yes. package? Um, so a great story. I would al- I, I'd allow that. I'd rather see the Alex Smith story kind of be the, the headline of that division. It would be a nice one. So final score, Kevin Hagelin, five. Madeline Burke, two. Wah, wah, wah. You know what? It's fine. I enjoyed my time in the sun and I now pass the torch to Kevin. That just means I can reappear next week when the Cowboys are getting ready for Tom Brady and the Buccaneers when they're rolling into AT&T Stadium. Oh, that. Look at the confidence right there. And who would have thought we would have been having this conversation here with two teams, how poorly they started. We're having a conversation about winning the NFC East in week 17. This is my favorite stat I've heard all year. In the history of the NFL, or I guess in the Super Bowl era, excuse me, 258 teams have started two and seven. None of them have ever made the playoffs. All three of the teams in contention all started two and seven. So one of them, for the Mm -hmm. first time in the Super Bowl era, will break that run. Isn't that so 2020? Who would have thought? Not me. Look at us. NFC East. Here we are. All right, guys. Well, thank you. That was really good. Madeline, sorry you uh, you got crushed, but <laughs> good job, you guys. I've made my decision. Now it's your turn. Head to Coach McCartan on Twitter, that's M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, to cast your vote to give out the listener's choice beatboxing belt. In doing so, please consider strength of argument and also delivery. Well, that was... Uh, that was a different tone than the Jason Lock and Fora Madeline Burke one. That one was very funny. Remember, we were talking about Lamar Jackson having to run to, I don't know, the bathroom during the game. This had a little bit more mm, to it. And you know what? That's good because this, guys, is a matchup with a lot on the line. It's a divisional matchup. Help in the Sunday night football. So the poll is up. For another 13 minutes or so, you guys at uh, go on Twitter at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N to cast your vote. I just put up my scorecard as well as I'm talking here. So you guys get to see how I voted visually and you guys cast your vote as well. Um, so right now it looks like Madeline Burke is the runaway favorite. I don't, this is, might be the first time we are not in agreement, you guys, on, on who the winner of this was. Mike McCann on the update. I'm Daniel McCartan on the fan. Welcome back, everybody, to McCartan in the morning here on The Fan. I'm Danielle McCartan, your hostess with the mostest, shall we say. Uh, We have been really, I mean, this is a Giants radio network. We have been talking quite extensively about the New York Giants taking on, welcoming the Dallas Cowboys to MetLife Stadium in about, oh, I can't really do the math here. Let's say about eight hours or so. Am I right with that? About, about eight hours, the Giants and the Cowboys are going to square off in a Week 17 matchup with the NFC East on the line. But both of them are going to need help from the 
the Philadelphia Eagles, basically. For If you're a Giant fan, you're going to be rooting for the Giants at 1 o'clock and the Eagles in Sunday Night Football. You heard my, my, just my beatboxing guests talking about who they think is going to win. Of course, they voted along party lines. Kevin Hagelin um, opting for the Dallas Cowboys in, in the 1 o'clock win. And Madeline Burke opting for the New York Giants in a 1 o'clock win. You have seven minutes left to go ahead and navigate to my Twitter at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. There you will find my beatboxing scorecard, and you will also find the poll to vote for your listener's choice winner. Right now, we before the update, it was Madeline Burke in, in a runaway. And actually, as I refreshed it, right, coming out of the update, Madeline Burke ha- is at a 50, I'm just rounding it off here, 58%. Kevin Hagelin creeped up during the update at a 42%. So get your voice heard, you guys. <laughs> uh, Billy Sarnataro. Sarnataro. I'm sorry, my eyes. Billy Sarnataro. Sarnataro. Italiano. This edition of beatboxing was on point. No, good, no nonsense substance. Madeline was a game champ, but very cocky. Kevin gets the nod here. Fun listen. Keep it up. Who will challenge Kevin next week? Hopefully Kevin won't be playing next week. Hopefully it'll be Madeline again because that means that the Giants are going to be making the playoffs. So we have to get, oh, we'd have to go uh, probably good friend of the show, TJ Reeves. It'll be Madeline Burke, TJ Reeves. So you guys, that's going to be a good one. You better hope that the Giants somehow pull this off. And then consequently that the, uh, or subsequently, I guess the word is, that the Philadelphia Eagles will pull it off as well. Looking at the injury report, for the Washington-Philadelphia game. It's not looking good, Giants fans. There are plenty, many, many Philadelphia Eagles on that injury report, many of them being major, major players for that team. I mean, Fletcher Cox stuck out to me as one of probably the biggest. So if you're a Giant fan, maybe you want to go to bed when Philadelphia has the lead and just wake up in the morning, Monday morning, and see what happens. I don't know. I don't know what the best advice I can give you is. But more more locally, and of course, obviously, um, you know, more importantly, the Giants need a win first in the 1 o'clock game. Um, just to go over one more time, the, the playoff picture, I mean, as amazing as this sounds, the Giants were 0-5, then 1-7, and and they could potentially win, clinch, the NFC East today, Sunday, January 3rd. If Washington wins, it's all bets are off. Washington wins the East. Done. NFC East. Now, if Washington loses and the Cowboys win, the Cowboys clinch. And if Washington loses and the Giants win, the Giants clinch. And if it's Washington that ends up winning, they'll be tied with the 2010 Seattle Seahawks as the worst playoff team ever. And if it's anyone else, meaning the Giants or the Cowboys, they will be the worst playoff team ever. But as all the players tell you, they've told you on my show, David Deal told you, Lawrence Tynes told you, they were on that team that in 2007, me and my father, I tweeted the picture earlier tonight and put it on Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Me and my father were at that game in Tampa Bay. (laughs) And I remember we were walking down the ramp uh, leaving the game. And my dad said to me, he's like, well, the Giants live to play another week. Little did we know that they were going to win the Super Bowl that year. So what I'm trying to say is that year they were a wild card team. They got to the dance. 
and then they danced in the dance. Things just came together. And I'm not saying that this Giants team is going to win the Super Bowl. Not even going to say they're going to win the East because ultimately I don't think that they do. But it's fun. Isn't this fun, you guys? This is a fun little thing if you're a Giant fan. In week 17, the last week of the season, you might be might be getting into the playoffs. And we also talked about um, draft scenarios for the Giants, you know, winning and seeing where they would be, et cetera. Right now, I mean, if the season ended like right now today, the Giants would have the the eighth pick in the draft, eighth overall. That's according to Tankathon, which I like that site. If the Giants win the East and the NFC East, they will have the 19th overall pick. And this, I think, might be a scenario Giants fans might actually really go for. If the Giants, um, let's see, if the if the Dallas Cowboys beat the Giants, and then Washington ends up beating the Eagles, knocking the Giants out of playoff contention, the Giants are potentially looking at number ten overall. That's not so bad. So you win the game and you drop two spots. Okay, and then this whole number three narrative. Okay. Everybody's saying, oh, but the Giants can go all the way up to number three if they if they really. Guys, that's with a ton of help. Okay? Here's the help. You ready for the nonsense for the Giants to over- secure the number three overall pick? Okay. Giants lose to the Cowboys. Then they need wins from, count them, the Eagles, the Lions, Falcons, Bengals, Texans. Five teams plus the Cowboys win, makes that a six-team parlay. If you hit on that six-team parlay, I want you to pick me some five numbers for the Mega Ball and obviously the sixth Mega Ball number, please. You can go and retire on that. Come on, that is ridiculous. Crazy. But you know what's even crazier? Say the Giants win this first round. They could pick at number 25. Ah, Just like the New York lottery says, or is it the New Jersey lottery? Hey. You never know. Ultimately, this is kind of how I see this game playing out. We're talking Giants-Cowboys exclusively here, and then we'll get to, to Jets-Patriots soon. But um, the more important game, obviously, is the the Giants-Cowboys at a crowdless MetLife Stadium, 1 p.m. on Fox. Number one storyline is Daniel Jones 100% healthy. This media back and forth with him in the media and then Joe Judge in the media questioning whether or not he's good to go. Is this a page out of Bill Belichick's book? I don't know. I'm not at practice. And I and if I were the Giants, I certainly would not be showing off any sort of Daniel Jones running packages in the media portion of the practice anyway. That's top secret stuff. But Daniel Jones saying he feels good, he feels healthy. He says he can't do a lot of the same things that he's used to doing. Head scratching, right? There was a follow-up question. He said, I certainly haven't been involved or as involved in the run game, certain areas of getting out of the pocket, scrambling, things like that. But I feel good, blah, blah, blah. Joe Judge on Thursday said he read Daniel Jones's comments, and he said he was more forthcoming than he would have been. Hmm, head-scratching. My personal opinion is that it is total gamesmanship. Total gamesmanship. You would not come out on Tuesday, Tuesday, and then tell your opponents, yeah, you know, I'm really not going to be a runner, so, you know. Don't worry about that part of the game plan. True. Daniel Jones has three, one, two, three rushing yards in his past two games. I get it. But 
you don't come out and say that on a Tuesday. If it's not, if it's true, you don't say that on Tuesday. No way. And then, did anybody check the weather forecast? Weather will be a factor. January football at the Meadowlands, right? The National Weather Service has issued, last I checked, a winter weather advisory for northern parts of Bergen County. Two to four inches of snow, actually, from 9 a.m. to midnight. Should those temperatures drop, you know, you always see that rain-snow line, right? Should that go about 30 minutes south down Route 17, Giants could be looking at a real, and the Cowboys, a slushy, snowy, sleety mess at the Meadowlands. January football, right? So either way, if there's no snow, no no sleet, no freezing rain, they're expecting significant rain in East Rutherford, according to the Weather Channel app. So whose game? I sat down and I was like, whose game does that impact more? Would the weather help or hurt the Giants or help or hurt the Cowboys? And I ended up going with it's going to help the Giants more so, and here's why. Because the, the Cowboys' run defense kind of stinks. Their total defense is ranked 30th in the league. And they give up the most yards on the ground, and it's not even close. It's like 200 more than the than the number two. The Cowboys' rushing de- uh, rush defense also gives up the seventh most rushing touchdowns. You see where I'm going with this? So if the weather calls for a ground game plan, the Giants match up well, actually, especially if Daniel Jones, who has three rushing yards, again, over the past two weeks, can break off a few, even mediocre runs, like just to, on third down, possibly third and sixth, just to keep the drive alive, it's going to keep the defense honest. So my Giants key to victory, yeah, they don't really score many points. I mean, they average like 17 points a game. It dropped to eight points a game over the past three weeks. The Giants are going to have to generate it elsewhere. Kyler Fackrell had a 46-yard pick six against Dak Prescott and the first time that they played each other. I know totally different scenario, totally different quarterback, but the potential is there. It's going to have to come via a little little boost. It's going to have to come via the defense or the special teams in terms of a, uh, a touchdown. Remember, Dallas plays in the stadium with a retractable roof. There really aren't many adverse conditions down there in uh, Jerry World. The way the Cowboys win this game is that if they're able to force Daniel Jones into playing hero ball, to to try to beat them with his arm. He's got 10 fumbles, 9 interceptions, and only 9 touchdowns this season. And the way that you make Daniel Jones beat you with his arm, as you guys know, You jump out to an early lead if you're the Cowboys, and then you control the clock with your game manager, veteran quarterback, Andy Dalton, and more importantly, your running backs, who average 113 yards per game. Ezekiel Elliott has the eighth most rushing yards in the entire league, but he also has the most amount of fumbles among all running backs. Consider the sloppy forecast that may end up being significant. Working in the Cowboys' favor also is that the Giants have not scored a first-half touchdown since the Bengals game in Week 12. Talked about getting off to a uh, a fast lead there. And again, the Cowboys, they have a real bad defense, but they have a plus-nine turnover differential over the past three games. You know, guys, that I like the points off turnovers because you could – Generate all the turnovers in the whole world. But if you don't put any, turn them into any points, 
what's the point? They've they've had 10 takeaways, 48 points off those takeaways. That's a lot. And they've been scoring over 30 points in the last over the last 3 weeks. So, my prediction here is th- this is more of a head decision than than it is a heart decision. No, let me reverse that. More of a heart decision than it is a head decision here. I mean, the numbers here are telling you that the Cowboys are going to win this game and and win it handily. But I think this Giants team has a little bit of heart. So I'm taking the Giants 20, Cowboys 17. And the way this ends is Graham Gano kicks the Giants into contention. Well, pending, obviously, the result of the the Washington-Philly game. And just another note real quick. If the and another thing that works in the Giants' favor, you know, with the weather and everything, was the two long passes down the right sideline. One was a Lamb touchdown, the other one was a Mari Cooper long gain. Philadelphia's secondary is kind of suspect. The Giants' secondary is much better, so I don't really anticipate those long passes, especially in the elements. So that was something that was like something I wrote down while watching that game last week. I wanted to make sure you guys. I relate it to you guys as well because that is a threat. Those those wide receivers are formidable. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. So, but I think the Giants secondary will be much better than the Philadelphia Eagles for sure. So I'm going Giants 20, Cowboys 17, Giants win it on a Graham Gano field goal. That's my story. Sticking to it. You guys get aboard 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on the fan until 6 a.m. here in New York City. Ooh, this one I don't know either, Emmanuel. Who's this? You got me twice tonight. Very popular artist. Jay-Z. Got it. Really? Look at that. What song and is that this? That was though? a very vague hint. So I know. a lot of credit to you there. <laughs> I know. What's what song is this? Can I live? Oh, yeah, I don't know it, but I was just it sounds like a Jay-Z beat. It sounds like a hard knock life, actually, is what it sounds like a little bit. Well, we are back here on McCartan in the morning here at 523 in the morning, January 3rd, week 17. The Giants, as you just heard Bob Papa say, still have a chance to make the playoffs. If you're a Giant fan, do you want it? Do you want them to make the playoffs? Do you want them to drop from having the eighth pick to the 19th overall pick? Did you expect the Giants to make the playoffs? If I asked you that question at the beginning of the season, would you have said, yes, I expect it or no, I don't? I think the answer is no. By the way, we have the final results are in for beatboxing. Madeline Burke took the listener's choice. Wow. You you guys and me, we, we finally split one. We've been in lockstep every week so far. And um, you guys voted Madeline Burke with, uh, so I'm rounding up here, 58% of the vote. Kevin Hagelin got 42% of the vote. So hopefully the game outcome is just like your uh, – Listener's choice, beatboxing outcome, because that means we can have Madeline Burke come back for next week and debate a a Bucks person, which I'm pretty sure is going to be TJ Reeves. So, great friend of the show. All right, you guys get aboard. 877-337-6666 is the phone number to call. Emmanuel's waiting there for you guys, and let's go to Dave in Comac. Dave, you're on the phone. Hey, Danielle, how are you? I'm good. What's up? I think the Giants are going to lose, and I'm a Giants fan. And, I know, uh, it's more of a heart decision I made, not a head. I usually go with my head. but Well, I'm the same here, but here's the thing. Uh, my prediction is they lose, and not only that, but it uh, gets worse than that. 
I think it's the weather. Uh, you're talking about the weather. When you talk about rain, you're talking about rain in Jersey tomorrow, right? Yes. Well, today, I guess. Or snow also? North, North Bergen County is getting two to four inches of snow last I checked. Is that including New York? No, I don't think New York City, no. Okay. So, well, what about Long Island? <laughs> you want me to consult the weather app? <laughs> Long I'm curious because this is, uh, this is new to me. But in any event, if that's true, what you what you just said, as far as the snow or the rain in New York, I think that Daniel Jones ends up uh, injur- re-injuring himself, and that's a big mistake on uh, on Judge's part. Mm, that, that's a possibility here. I just checked East Rutherford, New Jersey. Chance of rain, 100%. Rainfall near a quarter of an inch. So Okay. I think that's a mistake. If he slips and falls or he puts too much strain on that hamstring, as a result of the rain, you know, slips or whatever, I think you, you, that's big trouble for the Giants. I mean, it's a possibility. And I just got a tweet, actually, too, from Rudy Bear 2008. He said, hi, Danielle, bad weather can favor Andy Dalton. Don't forget, he did play in Cincy. Let's go Giants, he wrote. So, I don't I know. I don't think the Giants win tomorrow. I think the rain is to the Giants' detriment. And uh, to, to not only that, but to, uh, to Daniel Jones' detriment. I know, but it's just what sticks out to me is that the Cowboys have such a poor run defense. It's poor. That's why I'm thinking that that would favor the Giants. Yeah, but Daniel Jones, you're expecting him to run. But what, what about his injury? Well, That's- I'm expecting Wayne Gallman to step up. I'm expecting the running back by committee to step up as well. I'm just looking for Daniel Jones on a third and six to be able to get seven yards. That's it. Twice in the game. That's all I'm looking for. I don't think it's going to happen. I think that the Giants lose. I don't think Daniel Jones is going to be ready for this game. So you think that him saying, every, telling the whole world on Tuesday that he's not as good as he would like to be, you think it, that was just uh, the pure honesty? No, I just think overall, I think regardless of what comes out of his mouth, I think it's basically uh, it's overkill. And uh, he's just not ready. And that's basically what he call that. He's basically towing the office line. Is that the expression? Uh, I guess. Company well, line? Company, company line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's towing it. the company line. Saying what everybody wants to hear, you know, make it look like he's a good trooper, so to speak. Is that the expression? I guess so. That's what Sam Darnold's been. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Darnold, you know what? Uh, Darnold would be, be great on the Giants right now. Oh, I don't know. Let's not well, open Fields, that can of worms. That draft pick that the Jets are thinking about getting, Giants Giants can use another quarterback. I don't think Daniel Jones is that good. Uh, I think he get injured because of the running game. Uh, running Dave, game. I, I disagree with you on that. I th- you cannot judge Daniel Jones just yet. No, but you run enough times like he's doing, eventually he's going to get sacked and maybe he gets injured because Eli uh, never ran inside the pocket. No, never. Eli was a statue back there. Right. So I think that, 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 that I think it's a mistake for Daniel Jones to continue running. You know, eventually they're going to take him out. I think you're not going to see Daniel Jones play that much uh, longer if that happens. Well, Dave, and that's the thing. And, I, and actually, I was thinking about that today, actually, thinking real critically about it. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the names Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence and – um, the kid Wilson from uh, from from where is he BYU right? Um, I was thinking, like, and then I was thinking like Darnold and Mayfield, and obviously that is the way of the future, you know, the, these dual threat quarterbacks. I was wondering, because um, this is like the really first wave that we've been seeing of these guys. I was wondering what, how being that sort of a player would affect their longevity. I mean, yeah, we've seen Cam Newton, but he, you know, Cam Newton's a, a big dude. Like 
you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in like these smaller guys, like even like a Kyler Murray, like him being a running quarterback. How does that affect his longevity of his career? And and also too, then how does it affect the development? You know, from the youth level up. I'm not talking immediate, but how does that evolve a defense? The quarterback has evolved. The offense has evolved. It's there. It's here. It's right. It's right here. But now, how does a defense evolve accordingly? I don't know. It's just an interesting top. You know, there's no answer. That's that's an existential question to be answered at a later point. But right now, we can't answer that. It's just something that it was my stream of thought earlier today. Um, and we'll see what happens. But uh, as far as what the Jets should do, as of right now, today, right now, I think the Jets should stick with Sam Darnold. As of right now. Yes, Justin Fields had an up game. Yes, he had six touchdown passes. Yes, the Clemson defense isn't the best. All of the touchdown passes came from the shotgun, just so you know, everybody. So we're clear. I I went back and watched every single one of them. I would like to see what Justin Fields can do under center. Um, That would be the biggest thing for me. He played well. You cannot take it away from him. He played well. But... He's got a bigger stage. The good thing, the good news is we have a, one more sample size to take a look at him. Everybody, the entire league gets another chance to take a look at him because Trevor Lawrence, I think, is still number one, and, and he's he's going to be home, which is good, which is good if you're the Jets because you get another chance to look at Justin Fields versus a more formidable defense. And, man, I would just love to see him under center. That's the NFL way. It just bugs me. It kind of bugs me a little bit. And not to mention that he has a stud running back. The guy posted like, I mean, that's the main story for me. The main story is the running back. He's posted like 600 yards over the past two games. The Jets don't have a stud running back. So what would Fields look like in 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 an offense without a a game-changing, you know, on one single play running back like Saquon Barkley is to the Giants? We don't know. Those are all questions. How about... Any of those wide wide receivers are great. He's got a tight end. Oh, my God. When was the last time the Jets had a really good tight end? I mean, he's got all the toys. And then you come to the Jets, there aren't many toys. (laughs) So there's that to consider as well. And I just don't think you can rush to judgment on on Daniel Jones just yet. The kid, this is his first full season in his second system. Right? Judge Judge got hired almost a year ago to date. He was working with Eli Manning and the former coach. Now he's with the the latter coach. Two systems in two years with no offseason program and no preseason games. And and he's playing hurt. I think everybody understands that. I don't think you can pass judgment on him just yet. And that's just my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. Sparky and Dobbs Ferry, you're on the fan. First of all, I got to tell you how popular your show is. I couldn't get through last no. week at this time. That's what? how good it is. I couldn't get through. Well, I'm glad you're here now, Sparky. What's up? Okay. Happy um, New Year, by the all, way. Hey, Happy New Year to you, too. Um, first of all, like with the Yanks, Cashman's handling the LeMayu. He's just showing utter arrogance because nothing for nothing. He didn't have any problem taking on Stanton's contract from the Marlins, yet he can't show loyalty to a guy like LeMayu who's done nothing but produce at the highest level. Yeah, and back the Brinks truck up for, for Garrett Cole, too, don't forget. Yep. Yep, because you know something, they're gonna lose him, and if they lose him, I think Cashman should be fired. I really, I think that's a fireable offense, because you know something, for all the stuff about Cashman, 
he gets so much credit for not accomplishing a lot. Yeah. They have they won one championship in 20 years. No, 2009. 10 years. 11 yeah. years. One in 12. 2000. They won one World Series. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. You know? Yep. And But now the Giants, okay, I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with them making the playoffs. Because you know what? Even though I'm a Jets fan, this year just shows one thing. No system is perfect, okay? And it's an aberration. But what's wrong with them taking advantage of it, okay? And, um, you know, the whole the whole situation, I hope they make the playoffs, even though I'm a Jeff fan, but where the Giants would be making a mistake is if after the season they don't realize that they have to fix some things. Well, yes, of course. I mean, that's part of the, the building blocks. I think they, they, they definitely know that they need an edge rusher. I think they definitely know that they need a cornerback. And they need a, a stud physical wide receiver. I mean... Hey, Coach, also, you know, with Daniel Jones, you're right, though, because it's really not fair to evaluate this guy because you really don't know. Right. I mean, it's not fair. I mean, it's like... I don't know. I'm trying to liken it to, to some sort of like course load. Like you're taking one course and then a completely different course and then they want to evaluate you on your two years, but they don't, having the two coaches and the two systems, they don't have anything to do with each other. It's not fair to him. Hey, because you want to know something? It's just like, because you're a teacher. I mean, I could tell you, obviously I have a college degree, but you know what I found? There were certain teachers that you respond to better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. You know? And that's when maybe Daniel Jones' situation, he finds the right offensive coach. Because I think it's Garrett. I think he's lost. I don't know about Garrett. You know, I don't really know about him. I thought he was doing a good job at the beginning of the season. I did. And now, I mean, when you look at the Giants, bottom line is points scored. They're second to worst in the league, only behind the Jets in points scored. I mean, who does that fall on? I mean, there's accountability everywhere, but mostly on Jason Garrett, isn't there? You would think so. And and also, let's face it, you think the Cowboys might be a little psyched up coming here if they could knock the Giants and Garrett out of the playoffs? Oh, yeah, that's an inherent motivation right then and there for sure. Oh, yeah. Hey, Coach, you have the best of evenings, and this year, no matter what, it's going to be a lot better than last year. Here's to hoping 2021 we can get to a game this year, Sparky. Oh, you ain't kidding. It's, I got to tell you, it's utterly amazing. I never thought I'd have a year where I couldn't go to a Yankee game. It's like, holy cow. I know. You know what, though? What last year did, though, it shows that we take a lot of things for granted and you appreciate things more. Yeah, I cannot wait to get to that first game. Oh, man, whatever game it ends up being, and I don't care what game it is. I don't, I don't care oh. if it's a devil's game. I'm going to go there, and I'm going to be loud and proud, and I I just can't wait. Well, heck, I used to have season jet tickets, so, I mean, I've seen in, you know, all the games. Oh, I'd be happy to go anywhere. I know. Me too. Hey, you have the best of days, and take care. Thanks, Party. Okay. Talk to you next Bye-bye. week. Bye. Hey, did you guys hear that the Buffalo Bills are allowing fans in to their playoff game? Did you guys hear that? I actually tried, and I'll check now. I I, I Try to scan the secondary market just to see what the prices were going to go for. Uh, I'm on 
one of the sites. I don't know if I could say the name of the site for sponsorship, whatever. But um, no, they do not have any tickets available for that. They have Billy Joel and Motley Crue, though. That's for August. Um, but I did check another site that, you know, the site that you use to meet up with people and then you pay and then they give you your stuff. That site, um, they had some tickets for sale. They said must unload by Sunday. I guess that's because of the COVID testing procedures. $500 a ticket. After 25 years of not hosting a home playoff game, you can find them on a website that starts with a C and ends with Schmist. And then you go and you buy it from somebody in person locally. And um, $500. I wouldn't do it. As much as I we just talked about wanting to go to a game so badly, you cannot get me to pay $500 for the ticket. $11 a head to park. And it's $63 for a COVID test at a reduced rate of $63. Aren't those free? Aren't COVID tests free? So, uh, I don't know. And then it, the Bills announced that the, the tickets are sold out, right? There's about, no, there exactly is a 6,772 max capacity, right, at the, at the playoff game. All kinds of complaints replying to the Bills Twitter account of people getting shut out of the lottery, fans that they said they've been season ticket holders for 25 years, they didn't get a chance, fans that say they have eight to ten season tickets and, they didn't get priority over those that have smaller amounts of tickets, et cetera, et cetera. You think, you know, things that get lost in the exciting narrative. I just like you guys to look at every angle of things, as always. So there's that. Uh, we'll take more of your calls after the break. 877-337-6666. We're about to do Jets predictions. Can the Jets pull it off versus New England Patriots? We shall see up in uh, in uh, Foxborough. We shall see the Jets are three-point underdogs. I got my prediction coming up after this break. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Welcome back to the final segment here of McCartan After Midnight on the fan in New York City. This is your final chance to get aboard, everybody. You know that number, 877-337-6666. Uh, trending topic still on uh, on Twitter, still, is Knicks at Pacers trending with Tibbs. So the Knicks had a really good win versus the Pacers. I mean, the Pacers are a really good team, and I think the Knicks surprised a lot of people just like they surprised a lot of people with that win over the Bucks, So that is still trending on Twitter, just so you guys know. Um, I got a tweet from uh, Chris C.J. Cahill during the, the pause there, and he said, maybe the Giants will send the Bucks into another 14 years of pit of misery. So that made me laugh because pit of misery and dilly-dilly, just, I just like it. It makes me laugh. And uh, I actually, I, w- I did some time in the pit of misery in in the uh what's it called the the Budweiser factory in St. Louis. I thought the picture attached to it and I guess it didn't, but I just put it up there now on Twitter. Um yeah, if you go to the Budweiser cuz you guys know I want to go to all the baseball stadiums. Okay. So when I went to St. Louis, obviously you have to go to the Budweiser factory, see the Clydesdales and all that. So um and they give you two free tokens for two free um beers like fresh right from the plant, right from the machines okay so um i don't i don't really drink beer but when i do it comes right from the factory that's that's my saying but uh they have a a pit of misery set up and i (laughs) there's i put the chain around my neck and everything so i just put the picture up so yes i have spent some time related to sports 
uh, because it's St. Louis, and I went. I have a St. Louis Cardinals cap on. The one thing I did wish I did go see when I was there in St. Louis was um, the Italian section, the Italian Hill. I just I was only there for like like a day, not even. And uh, next time I go back, I will go see the Italian section there and see where Yogi Berra grew up and whatever. Um, so, and I got another tweet from um, Kyle Nuss, and he said, "Danielle, the Jets need to keep Darnold, build around him properly, time." properly, I guess, in time, and let Douglas choose the head coach. Yes, I am totally, totally with you. Also, too, Jets-Patriots, 40% of the Patriots roster is listed on the injury report for non-COVID reasons. So that's, like, crazy. Um, It's been pretty consistent all week, too. On Wednesday, 38% of Patriots were on the injury report. Um... The Jets look pretty good to go, actually, on their on their end. You got Bill Belichick praising Sam Darnold. And then he said a crazy thing that made me almost spit out what I was drinking. He said, I know he's getting good co- Sam Darnold is getting good coaching. I don't think he could get better coaching than where he's at. What? I mean, that make that I almost fell out of my chair when I read that. But the Jets key to victory, real quick, is the Jets need to put points on the board, damn it. Sam Darnold, this is his final audition to show Jets Nation and potentially the rest of the NFL why he deserves to be A, either the Jets' starting quarterback moving forward, or B, a starting quarterback in the league elsewhere. Jets are ranked last in the league in points scored per game. Unleash the playbook. Play with reckless abandon, New York Jets. What do you have to lose? Literally nothing in terms of draft order, so let it fly. Go crazy. And the Patriots' key to victory you know, they only scored 19.9 points a game. They're 28th in the league at that. No one's used to seeing those numbers being associated with that team, huh? Speaking of showing the NFL who could be a starting quarterback in the league, no less, Cam Newton is having a terrible season. Slumping isn't even the word I would use, but I wanted to, but before I looked. So he's got 12 rushing touchdowns, but only five touchdown passes to 10 interceptions. In fact, I even started looking up career numbers just to get a sense here. It is Cam Newton's career worst in touchdown passes and yards per game, both by a mile, and almost career worst in quarterback rating and sack percentage. Even big bad Bill Belichick couldn't resuscitate his career, it seems. And rumors are flying that they are headed towards a divorce. And really, when you read the press conference notes from both Cam and Bill, it really seems inevitable. They're talking about regrets, using the past tense, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, prediction. I was right about the Jets last week, by the way. I just wanted to toot my own horn just one more time here when they beat the Browns. I had a little bet, a $7 bet. You know, my my scale goes from like $1 bet to like a $10. 10 I'm really sure. So I had 7 on the Jets to beat the Browns last week. And I'm sticking with the Jets again this week. I've got a $10 bet. I'm so sure I put my max bet of $10 on the Jets to win. Jets 27 Patriots 21. And I got 10 bucks on it, everybody. 10. The Jets season finale. Black Monday approaching. I, I, you know, I'll believe it when I see the team statement. Because even then, Jets fans know January of 2000, Bill Belichick goes to announce he's the next Jets head coach, turns the press conference into a complete 180, Steps down from the job. I will believe it when I see it, everybody. Please. 
Let's go to the phones for one last time, you guys. Get aboard 877-337-6666 is that phone number. Peyton in Sparta, New Jersey. You're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Um, I remember you uh, uh, last week. I remember you said you'd bet on Jets to win against the Browns. Mm-hmm. And I just heard that you placed uh, another bet on them to win uh, against the Patriots. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, um, what did you think about the Lions? Because I think the Jets are, what, two-and-a-half-point dogs, and the Giants are, like, point, point-and-a-half dogs. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, go ahead. What spread do you like there? Um, I don't particularly like using the spread. I just go all out, you know, win, you know, just the, the money line. I think the last I checked, the Jets were three-point underdogs, and I think the Giants were two-and-a-half. I mean, basically, to me, that means pick them. Um, and based on the score predictions, I think the Jets would cover my score predictions – I think the Jets are going to cover, and I think the Giants will not cover, in fact, if they do win. So I don't know if that helps you in any way. Again, I told the caller, Vernon, this before. I am not responsible for any lost wages in this whole thing, by the way. But I, I could just tell you how I'm picking. No, I just I, – I, like, I was against you because I listened to the show last week. And I was like, she's going to put a small bet on the Jets. And I thought the, the rounds were going to come out and – like dominate them, and I got burnt on betting on the Browns, so I bet on the Jets this week. So um, hopefully it goes a little bit better. All right, and I, and I was told to ask for twenty five percent of all commissions, though. <laughs> all <right. laughs> I had a tweet well. before that said I should ask for commission. I'm just kidding with you, but uh, yeah, you know, it, Peyton, and thanks for the call. I, I I just watched this Jets team so many like when I was a kid, that, that team made me cry like. I've seen too many Jets games. I just knew it was going to happen. It was inevitable. And now when I look and I see 40% of the Patriots rosters on the injury report, I mean, for non-COVID reasons, you, you go down and it's like knee, ankle, back, hip. It's like, it's like a, I can't. So based on that fact and the, and the fact that Sam Darnold is playing for something, I think, I think the Jets are going to pull it off. I really do. And Cam Newton is not good. Has not been good. Consistently not been good. So I think the Jets are going to pull all the stops out. Give Adam Guru one last send-off. And hopefully this time next week we're going to be breaking down head coaching potentials for the New York Jets. We shall see. Black Monday, we shall see. Let's go to Dave in Hartford, Connecticut. Dave, you're on the fan. Hey, Daniel. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, thanks. Uh, Two points. One, uh, I'm a Cowboys fan. Uh, but don't have much hope uh, given their defense. Um, But I think regardless of who comes out of the NFC East for the first-round playoff match, I don't think they're necessarily a pushover. I think the the teams in the East, maybe with the exception of the Redskins, have really improved over the weeks, especially the Cowboys. And I think the Jets would be crazy to get rid of Sam Darnold. Mm -hmm. I think that his upside, um, if you put Trevor Lawrence or even Fields in that position, with what they have around him, it's going to be the same outcome. Yes. And I think Darnold has, has, has just as much upside as the, uh, the top two quarterbacks uh, coming into the draft. This yeah, year. I, I, t- I totally agree with you. The only thing, and, and Dave, I'm just up against the end here a little bit. So I appreciate the call. It was an insightful call there. I think the only thing that may be scary about Sam Darnold is the fact that he's going to be owed like $25 million at, at the end of next season. So, I mean, I guess the Jets would cross that bridge if they come to it. But again, he's not. Wor- he hasn't worked with anything. He's got a. He had Todd Bowles as a head coach. His what I call his freshman year, his rookie season. Then he had 
Adam Guru, his next two seasons, who he has completely regressed under his tutelage, if that's the right word there. And it's just, who? okay, Becton, they're finally getting him some pieces in Becton. Okay, why don't you go out and you get Sewell from, who right now seems to be the number one, and I haven't done my research yet. You know, the season's still going on, but I will. I promise you I will. But he seems to be the consensus number one offensive lineman. Go out and get him to help. I mean, there's pieces that you can put around him. They have... Look at the free agent wide receivers. Allen Robinson, if he doesn't re-sign, Jets should be all over him. Juju Smith-Schuster, if he doesn't re-sign, the Jets should be all over him. They have the money to do it. Money talks, everybody. Money talks. And if you have the right head coach like Bill Cower, who said that, Bill Cower in there, immediate credibility, I think the Jets can do it. Let's go. Jeff in Fairview, you're on the fan. What's up, Daniel? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Jeff. Thank you. Uh, Two things. Yes. Number one, I'm excited to see Fields play against a good defense against Alabama. Me too. I, I can't wait for that. Yes. Yeah, I agree with you. And you're absolutely right about that. And if they just do believe in Donald, then they should draft the, the right tackle for Morgan. Yes. That yeah. And that should be the start of it. And then they should add on in the late round, possibly a wide receiver late first round pick. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then go out and get one in free agency. And how's that? All of a sudden, the Jets' yeah. offense is in business. Yeah. And do you think if they do draft the quarterback, do you think there's going to be like an open competition? I would love to see that Dono against Fields or against Wilson from mm. BYU. Or, mm. or no, you think if they draft the quarterback, then that quarterback could automatically be the starter? Yeah, I'm not a fan, and if you're a Jet fan, you know the whole thing about quarterback controversy yeah. and all that. I, I think my point of view is if you're drafting a quarterback, that guy needs to be in from day one. That's it. Like I don't, I, yeah. I don't like, I don't like what the the Dolphins are doing with uh, Fitzpatrick and Tugavailoa uh, because it's just who's 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 it going to be? There's no consistency. The players don't react well to that, and it's like they're not they don't feel prepared. And I just I don't like the idea. It's whoever it is. Needs to be if you want to go and do that move, like um, just like when you move a kid up to varsity, they better be playing. If not, if they're going to go up to varsity and sit on the bench, then what's the point? They're not getting any better. No, well, I just disagree with you there. I think you know in the olden days, quarterbacks had to wait for two, three years. Yeah, you know, so it's not even the learn. olden days. Patrick Mahomes had to wait. Yeah. So so, you know. I, I agree. I, I believe that they, they can watch a little because you don't want to rush them. Then they do bad. And then look at these quarterbacks that get better and better as time goes on because right. they're learning. It's a big thing to, to learn the experience. Yeah, I know. And I guess it just depends on the situation, too, because, like, I don't know. So I guess some players learn better through experience, some players learn better by watching. It depends on yeah. what, who the mentor is out in front of them. Is it Ben Roethlisberger that you're learning from? Is it Eli Manning that you're learning from? Or is it, you know, Mitch Trubisky? You know, like that's, that's, yeah. it depends on the situation, I guess. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got late bloomers, you know, people, some are late and they get smarter, you know, some know. are oh, early bloomers. So it's very hard. I know. know? I, I remember Ter- Terry Hanrad used to come in for Terry Bradshaw sometimes. You know, Chuck Chuck Noll used to uh, put put him in when when Bradshaw was having a bad game. Mm-hmm. And look at the Jets. Look at uh, Richard Todd. Matt Robinson used to come in sometimes, 
and relieve him and, you know, pull out a win for the Jets when Walt Michaels was there. So, you know, it's very hard. I know. I know. And, and Jeff, thanks for the call. And that's where the scouting department comes into play. And that's where um, the vision of the head coach and GM together comes into play. Um, it'll be interesting. I mean, it's going to be interesting. It's I, There's no other way to put it. I mean, the decision on the quarterback for the Jets is going to come down to whoever comes in as the next head coach, whether they want to keep Darnold, try him out for a year, and if he doesn't work, then get rid of him, or just start fresh with the guy like Justin Fields. But I, I think, like you said, I think uh, it'd be crazy. But then again, it would be Sam Darnold's learning his third offense, his third language in four years, and I don't, I don't know. I, I, me, me today, right now, I'm sticking with Sam Darnold. Justin Fields didn't really impress me consistently, we should say, although that game he did play well. Let's see. Let's see versus a good defense in Alabama next, was it next week or on the 11th? Okay? So, we shall see. I'll get back to you on that. Thank you to all the callers. Could not have done this without you guys tonight or this morning. I love coming here, talking to every one of you. Special thank you again to my beatboxing contestants. That was at 440. Kevin Hagelin, the midday radio co-host at 105.3 The Fan, our sister station in Dallas. And Madeline Burke, New York Giants TV host and Sports Illustrated. Actually, while you're there, why don't you just go ahead and rewind to 2 a.m. Just listen to the whole thing while you're at it. It's up for the next 24 hours. Great job to Emmanuel behind the glass. Also to Mike McCann on the updates. Bob Salter's up next, everybody. In the meantime, you guys can hit my social medias at Coach McCartan on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. And we will keep the conversation going. Good luck to the New York football Giants. Hope to be talking to you guys next weekend for playoff football. Giants playoff football here on The Fan. 101.9 FM. The Fan. W-